did. It's time for Jim Cates at CJ Online. News, opinion, interviews, and community conversation. Live and online. Join Jim and his guests by calling 295-1150 or emailing jim.cates at cjonline.com. And now, from the Topeka Capital Journal and cjonline.com, here's the Dean of Talk Radio in Topeka, Jim Cates. And good morning, Topeka. This is going to be a full day, believe you me, coming in at 10 o'clock. Dave Jackson, we're going to be spending an hour talking about lawn and garden tips. And coming in at 9 o'clock, preceding Dave, of course, we have John Arnold and Earl Glenn. We're going to be talking about the top stories of the week at 8.30. Jay Perez with the Better Business Bureau of Northeast Kansas is coming in. And in just a couple of minutes, Kevin Bittner is going to be joining us. And he heads up the I Sold It store here in Topeka. We're going to be talking about what's hot and what's not on eBay. Well, folks, a little word of wisdom to start with. If you're thinking about uh, oh, vacationing in the winter or maybe this fall, let me give you four communities you might want to avoid at all cost. And those communities are Ellis, Kansas, Ogden, Utah, Toledo, Ohio, and Douglasville, Georgia. Communities I would just absolutely avoid. Put those on your no-visit list. Why these four communities? Well, Ellis, Kansas, Ogden, Utah, Toledo, Ohio, and Douglasville, Georgia, all have passed the same catch, cat, catch, and release ordinance that the city of Topeka has. So the chances are if you're going into Ellis, Kansas, or Ogden, Utah, Toledo, Ohio, Douglasville, Georgia, you might get attacked by a feral cat because they are going to be everywhere, folks. Can you believe our city council? This one. And again, folks, this isn't going to cost the city that much money. You know, this isn't a spending issue. And normally that's what I'm railing against is when we get into these wild, crazy spending sprees. This one necessarily isn't going to be that bad in terms of money, out-of-pocket money. But if you're looking at absolute insanity, this has got to be the most insane ordinance the city has ever passed. So again, if you don't want to get attacked by a feral cat, stay away from Ellis, Kansas, Ogden, Utah, Toledo, Ohio, Douglasville, Georgia. Put those on your no-visit list. Their city councils have got to be just, well, the same as ours, I suppose. A unanimous vote on the city council to pass this feral cat ordinance. God help us all. And we do have the mayor coming on Monday morning at 9 o'clock, so we'll be visiting with the mayor on this cat ordinance. Kevin Bittner, what is a feral cat going for on eBay? Uh, we can't sell any live animals. We can't sell anything live, so I couldn't give you an answer for that one. Jim. What's a dead feral cat going for on eBay? Well, if you have one, bring it in, and we'll find out for you. <laughs> Kevin Bittner, good to have you with us. I'm going to have you pull your mic in just a little closer if you could. There you go. Yeah. You got it. Good to have you with us. We were just talking about this cat ordinance. I thing. saw that. It, it's crazy stuff. You know, there was, what, 60 comments on the reader comments on CG Online after this thing passed, 59 of which were wondering what in God's name has gotten into our city council. This was a unanimous vote. Yes. Plus the mayor. And I've got a lot of respect for Bill Bunton. He's going to be on the show Monday morning. What were these people thinking? 
you know, uh, the minute we figure it out, it'll change. So I don't know that it matters if we try to figure this one out. <laughs> this one's insane. It is. Well, folks, if you've got a question or comment, as always, jim.cates at cjonline.com. You want to grab a cup of coffee before uh, we get I'm started? I'm fine, Jim. You're in good shape. Yeah. Huh? You own the I Sold It store yes, in Wanamaker. Yes, And basically, this is an eBay auction store. It is. It is. We handle uh, selling items for folks online. So if you have something you want to sell, people bring it into our store. We look up the items to give them an idea what the average selling price has been. Uh, as long as the value is $50 or greater, it's worthwhile to bring through our process. Uh, we do all the work from the research to the writing of the copy and text, taking pictures, uh, posting it online, answering questions that come in from people interested in purchasing. Uh, collecting the payment, packing the item up, shipping it out to the end customer, and then our customers end up getting their checks. So really the toughest part is bringing the items in to figure out how much they're worth. Yeah. So, Kevin Bittner, uh, if somebody brings an item in, mm -hmm. whatever it may be, you're going to look that item up on online. You, you're going to have a pretty good idea of what this item is going to sell for. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've got a research tool that goes back up to... 10 years, really it looks at the last 90 days first to give us mm -hmm. a good history of what the items are selling for. Um, as long as the value is there, then we can determine what type of audience it's going to have and what the average selling price is going to be. Uh, when somebody's coming into your store, mm -hmm. you say, oh boy, this one's going to sell. What's the hottest selling item on eBay right now? When somebody's walking into the I Sold It store, mm -hmm. What do you want to see the most of coming through the door? You know, right now, uh, part of the nature of the economy, you know, the gold and silver coins are just tremendous in value. Uh, when we first opened, you know, five years ago, silver coins were at about six times face value. Uh, now you're looking at 12 to 20 times face value. That's just for an average condition coin. So th there, there's money in coins. Uh, vintage electronics, the ham radio gear, the older stereo gear is doing extremely well out there. What do you mean the older stereo equipment? Uh, How old? Well, like Marantz gear, even some old Pioneer, Fisher, that type stuff from yeah. the, the 60s, 70s, 80s uh, really? is actually doing well. Uh, we had a gentleman who had collected all the stuff you shouldn't collect and then he had a bunch of what he called junk radio gear sitting around. Uh, ended up bringing in about five truckloads that he netted over $50,000 with. And he, he said, you know, bottom line, I collected the wrong stuff because I could have had much more of that radio gear. Really? Um, you know, the collectibles, the, the Balik, the Swarovski, the uh, Hummels, you know, they're always going to do well. Uh, items people should stay away from. Yes. Uh, that was going to be question number oh, two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know. We, Beanie Babies. Beanie Babies. You know, wedding dresses don't do well. Uh, the Precious Moments figurines you pay a fortune for, but they're worth virtually nothing when we try to resell them out there. Uh, the crystal, it, it does okay, but the you know the clear cut glass mm -hmm. doesn't do well. Uh, but, you know, when you get into some of the, the uh, depression glass, you, you can do well again. Uh, so it really is dependent upon what you've got. The Vigelica, I assume that's a big oh, yeah, seller. It is, it is. The, the nice thing, you know, about what we do, if people want to bring items in, We'll look it up for them. There's no fee for us doing that. If it doesn't bring what they're expecting or if it's not averaging, there's no obligation to leave anything with us at all. So we're, it's kind of a, a nice free appraisal service that people can come out and have us look up stuff for them. So is there a charge if something doesn't sell? Um, the answer is no if we do what's called a no-reserve auction. 
we find the best values typically come when people have a low starting price and let the bids take it up to where it should end. Mm -hmm. uh, if people do have, uh, let's say, grandma's collection of, of China. China is not a great seller. So with uh, larger sets of China, that's where it might be worthwhile to put a reserve on it. A reserve, we charge $30 up front, but that is given back to them as long as it sells. With mm -hmm. the reserve, we like the items to have at least a $100 value or greater. Now, what percentage do you charge? What's your commission rate? You bet. You bet. We typically, our, our customers typically receive about two-thirds of the final selling price minus eBay and PayPal fees. eBay can run as high as 8%. PayPal runs 2.9%. So let's say an item sold for $100. 60-40 then roughly? It, roughly 60-40. Um, but on the lower end items because of the higher eBay fees, that's why we, you could end up with as little as 50%. That's why we don't like to do anything under $50. We want to make sure the customer's portion is is much higher than than, uh, than they would expect. We, though, typically average about 30 to 40% over the averages on eBay, just because of our seller rating, our seller history. So even though we do have our commission, which starts at you know about 33%, we usually average about 30 to 40% over the averages on eBay. So people will usually receive more, even with us selling it, than if they tried it on their own. What do you see the most of? And again, if you just tuned in, folks, Kevin Bittner with I Sold It. Their store is right north of Huntington on Wanamaker next to Home Depot. And Dick's Sporting Goods. Dick's Sporting Goods, yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, the item that you see most frequently coming through your door. Well, the items that we see most frequently right now are probably you know comic books and, and collector baseball, football cards. And honestly, the, the values are so diminished on those. We, we discourage people unless they want to put them in large lots or if they have a few of the rare collectible ones. Mm -hmm. uh, the items we do see quite a bit of that are good sellers are the electronics, the sporting equipment. Uh, we see a lot of jewelry right now. Um, we handle the state treasurer unclaimed property for Kansas. Mm -hmm. uh, we just had two uh, one-kilogram gold bars. That's a little over two pounds apiece. Uh, each one of those sold for almost $40,000 each. Uh, so with that, we have many, many customers out there watching our site for the gold rings, the jewelry, and those type items. So they're, they're good sellers out there online as well. Hmm. How about records? You know, I'm a record collector. Oh, yeah, Jim. Do they sell? Um, the answer is yes, they can, but more often than not, you have to have them in pretty big groups. And... And when you get them in big groups, the weight is such that it, it's not worth shipping. Uh, albums, we turn about every album away that comes in the front door. With the 45s, as you know, if, if they have a, one of the rare Sun Label records, mm -hmm. they can have some money there. And you can tell viewers uh, you know, what, what the, uh, the, the very popular and, and high-valued ones would be. But with 45s, we have to go through a heck of a lot of them to find just a few that would have good value out there. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I found. You know, record collecting peaked about, oh, 10, 15 years ago. Yes. Because what happened was about 10 or 15 years ago, you had a lot of 50, 55-year-olds mm -hmm. getting out of the hobby. You know, they were going oh, through yeah. a lifestyle change, downsizing, moving, whatever, going to a warmer climate. But you don't have any 25-year-olds picking the hobby up. You know, Kevin Bittner, a 25-year-old, has no idea what a 45 RPM record is. Probably knows what an LP is, mm -hmm. but has no interest in it. So there's no, there's no younger demographic picking this hobby up. 
So now you've got a glut of records out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. huge supply and virtually no demand, with the exception of the real rare collectibles. And as you know, the value still oh, is yeah. high there. Yeah, it's very high there. And, and the other part of it, Jim, is the storage space you need for them. If you're going to collect them, you know, right now on an MP3 player, you can put 10,000 songs. With the, the 45s, it has to be the collectible value because you're going to take some space if you're going to have any size collection at all. Yeah, yeah. Because I've got about 25,000 45s in my basement, and it takes up a lot of room. Oh, it does. Yeah. It does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you can't, what can't you sell on eBay? Uh, firearms. Firearms you cannot sell. Anything, Pets, dead or alive. Any, anything that was at one point alive. Is or was alive. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, the pelts and those type things you can sell. Uh, there's a, a list of items like the bears, the ivory, and those type things that cannot be sold. Um, ivory. Ivory. Ivory cannot be sold on eBay. For a while there, if it was legally imported African elephant ivory, we could sell it. Now there's a complete ban on ivory. So we have some beautiful ivory canes and, you know, uh, figurines that, that just cannot be sold because they have ivory in them. Is that because of just kind of a warm, touchy-feely eBay policy, or is this as a result of national legislation? It's an eBay policy. Okay. Uh, and the inhumane Getting pressure of from, yeah, yeah, yeah. From okay. those type groups out Okay, that, that makes sense. Yeah, and anything illegal, you know, drug paraphernalia, you know, those type things can't be sold out there at all. So we, the, the nice thing again, we screen all that for folks. Uh, an, another thing that people don't really think about, software. You know, if you have loaded software onto your machine, you can't resell that. If you try to do that, it's an infringement that they call a vero violation, verified owner rights. Uh, so we have to watch those things very closely for people. Uh, you can't copy, you know, records or albums or anything like that and mm -hmm. sell them online. So just kind of the, the things that are more common sense that people really don't think about. If you recorded your favorite uh, TV show and you have it on VHS tape, you know, that can't be sold because it's a reproduction. Yeah. yeah. What's the oddest thing you've seen? Well, it's, somebody's brought through your door, I sold it. And I think I might have mentioned this one before, but uh, we had a lady come in, uh, and she wanted to sell her breast milk. Uh, we've had people come in with uh, cow chip sculptures. You know, we've had just about anything you can imagine. Um, you know, people do their own artwork of all types. So, you know, some of those are very unique and neat that we, you know, we see an interest in. But to get the buying public interested in something by an unnamed artist is difficult out there as well. But yeah, they're, they're you know, seeing strange. somebody coming in with this painting uh -huh. of a known artist. Mm -hmm. Now, Kevin Bittner, how would you know whether that's uh, a fake or not? What happens there if you if you auction something on eBay? Yeah. Through yeah. I sold it, and you think you've got the original. This is the real deal. Well, it's not the real deal. You bet. It's, it's a bootleg. The, the neat thing about eBay is there are so many experts out there, and even if we can't detect it, we'll know in about the first hour while the auction's live if, if there's any issues with it at all. The buying public out there is so educated. Um, we had a... a I can't remember what it Has was. Has that happened to you? That we've had, you know, like a purse that we have we have done our research. They may even have a sales receipt for it. They bring it in, a, you know, a Brighton purse or whatever it might be. And the people in one of our ten pictures we put up says, hey, you know, the stitching in the corner by the zipper, 
does not look real. You may want to check this out. So people, I mean, they know really? what they're looking for. And the good <laughs> news is we put up ten very clear pictures on almost every auction. So people are going to see exactly what they're buying from us. Mm. Uh, so whether, you know, we, we may miss something occasionally. It doesn't happen often. But if it does, the buying public out there usually informs us pretty quickly. Are you getting into the busy season as far as people bringing items in? Because Christmas is not that far off. People need extra money for Christmas. But when you get into a heavy season as far as people bringing items in, does that ultimately lower the price on eBay? In other words, I would okay. think November everybody's going to be coming through your door wanting to sell something. But if you're looking to buy... Well, that'd be a good time to buy. Right. Cause but if you're looking to maximize it. your profit, hold off until, what, February or March? Let's run through the good months and bad months. You know, what we have found, honestly, we never have a slow time of year with items coming in. You know, we thought the summer months would slow down, mm -hmm. but really our volume has not decreased during any, any time during the year. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. does get a little bit busier, and the items change around the November-December time frame. Items change. What would change? Uh, you know, people that are bringing in, you know, the clothing during the summer, the, uh, you know, sporting goods type stuff during the summer, they're bringing in the electronics, they're bringing in the uh, collectibles and those type things during the winter that would be more desirable for the folks in the December months out there. Um, the other thing you mentioned, you know, does By the way, the Jay Perez just walked through the door. He's going to be joining us a little later. Uh, Better Business Bureau of Northeast Kansas. The items, you know, during the November-December months, um, does the value decrease? You know, the buyers increase during that time of year also. They're looking for the holiday gifts. So we haven't seen a true fluctuation sure. in, in valuation of items. That would make sense. If anything, the more collectible, the more desirable items around the November-December time frame hit that emotional, I need to get this for my niece, nephew, grandma, grandpa. So we've actually seen values increase a bit even during that time of year. Well, Kevin Bittner, I'm sure with us, old, you've seen every collection known to man. Yeah. There's probably nothing out there that uh, is being collected that you haven't seen come through your door. Beer cans, I'm sure you've seen beer can yeah. collections. Yeah. Seen it all. We, we yeah. actually had part of the Abraham Lincoln China collection that came through. Uh, one single plate sold for a little over $8,000. Really? So it, it's interesting. Every time I think I've seen it all, Something new does come yeah. in, and we find find something of tremendous value. Everything anonymous, like who owned the Lincoln plate, I'm sure that's yeah, entirely anonymous. Not, yeah, 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 not yeah. going to be given out. We yeah. we can't do that. If if they wish to let the world know, then that's entirely up to them. But uh, we had the the very first issue of Playboy magazine, which we do not sell any adult magazines. But had the very first issue with Marilyn Monroe in near mint condition. Uh, ended up selling for almost $6,000, and that was the highest value that magazine ever had on, on eBay up to that point. Really? So some neat things. And, you know, any other Playboys? I don't have any Playboys at home, but I know a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, do. Yeah. Any other Playboys actually worth, you say, you know, to bring an item into, I sold it, mm -hmm. needs to be worth 50 bucks or more. Right. How right. many Playboys would bring $50 or more? Well, that one obviously if would. If you have 1960s and earlier, they're going to sell well for you. 70s and on big groups or just toss them, you know, donate them or put them in the shred bin out there. But the 1960s um, entire years will do probably 
500 to 1,000 for the entire year. Sure. Uh, 1950s and, you know, through the, the first issue there, um, individual magazines can be, you know, 50 to $500 a piece. So there are some, some very valuable ones out there. But, again, don't get me in trouble. We, we do not accept those at the store any longer. We did when we first opened but found, you know, with, with younger folks working for us, it's just not the right buying public or, you know, the right staffing for us to handle the adult-type items. So even with Playboys, mm-hmm. you know, because you get back into the 50s, Playboys really weren't. Uh, they're probably less. Uh, kind of a ladies' home people. journal today would be comparable to what a Playboy yeah. was back in 1958. Yeah, yeah. Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue is much more risky than, than yeah. those were. But, yeah. but we still, we, we've made a decision as a business and a family business just to not handle any of that type of Now that's a decision made locally, not, that's not an eBay policy. That's, that's correct. Okay, that's that would correct. be the localized sold at stores yes. policy. Yeah. Okay. If you were starting a collection today, based on everything that you've seen, trends over the past, how many years now have you been in operation? Uh, we, we opened in uh, May of 2006, so this okay. is our fifth year in business here. So after five years, mm-hmm. if you were going to start collecting something as a result of everything that you've seen come through your store and as far as values increasing, what would it be? You know, what would Kevin Bittner collect? If the, you the, the thing I would collect, you know, I, I've been collecting coins since I was young, so that one I'll, I'll just put off to the side here, but the electronics and the radios. Um, you know, if you have a passion for that type of collection, um, it's something that's going to maintain or grow in value. We had a gentleman with an old, old radio brought it in. Really, it was in horrible condition, but we opened up the case, and three of the tubes in the back of it were worth over $200 a piece. So, you know, in, in those vintage electronics, which are still available out there at yard sales, garage sales, estate sales, there are items there that you can go pick up at a reasonable price and have a collection that's going to be worth quite a bit of money as you go. Now, you're just talking about the old Admiral Philco yeah. radios yeah. that you just yeah, had sure. at home that you listen to on yeah. a nightly basis. And those, or if you get into the Fisher 500Cs, 800Cs, you know, the more of the ham gear, uh, more of the older radio gear. Uh, so much of that is available in the Midwest, but it has tremendous value. Uh, we had three just consoles for 500 Cs, which I, I won't say they're a dime a dozen, but three that were in very bad condition that sold for almost $700. So I, I would bet there are probably you know, 50 or 100 people in Topeka that have those sitting on a shelf uh, that have just been gathering dust. Oh, good night, yes. Huh. I'll be, you know, I never thought of that. Yeah. That's yeah. something that would be... Have the value. You bet. Now, old TVs would the same thing apply to an old Philco Motorola TV Not out of the early 50s? Yeah, we have some of the old cabinet TVs that, that can still do okay, but most of them, because of the size, the space needed for collection, uh, they're kind of on the line of the albums and the records, unfortunately. Uh, a few, and basically with those items, if people even want to call us at the store, we can take a look at it with our research tool and let them know what the averages have been and, and get them an answer. Yeah. Hmm. I would imagine you've got enough stuff coming through your store. Do you go out and garage sale, or do you just wait for it to come through your doors that I sold it? You know, originally our plan was to take a day or two a week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, go out and hit the garage sales. But I'll tell you, since we've opened the door, uh, we've been busy. It's been a very busy store, and we really haven't had the time to do that. Uh, you know, we take items from individuals. We take items from businesses, you know, liquidation, closeout. We actually have a few banks that we handle, you know, business foreclosures. Mm-hmm. Um, 
charitable groups, if they're trying to raise money for uh, whatever their charity may be, they have a drive with you know their their you know their group that they bring items in, so the charity gets gets the funds from it. Uh, we handle a lot for churches right now. St. Stanislaus Church in Rossville is working to build a new church. So we have members of their parish bringing in items to go to the building fund. So there's just a, a number of groups, you know, business, individual, mm-hmm. charity, not-for-profit, as well as government. We handle, like I mentioned, state treasurer items. So everything that's been in the safe deposit box that's now needs to be sold, we handle for the state. So some tremendous items. From all well, you mentioned, states. you know, ham radios, mm-hmm. common in the Midwest, Yeah. not so much on the coast. What else do you see coming through your store that's kind of common here Mm-hmm. That wouldn't sell. It's not going to be worth a dime in Topeka, Kansas, but it's going to be worth several dollars in L.A. Oh yeah. What would that be that you see coming in that you know you're not going to have a local buyer, yeah. but you also know on both oh, coasts yeah. it's going to be hotter than hot. Yeah. You, you look at what I call the barn items. You know, the collectibles, the stuff that, that hung on the walls, the, the single bottom plows. It's amazing. Even the larger items will pallet ship out to, you know, South Carolina, North Carolina, Texas. Uh, New York, California, Oregon. So the the items here that you you see go at a uh, a state sale for scrap uh, are shipped out there for yard ornaments or their antique collectible shops all day long. Like an old horse collar. Oh yeah, horse collars. They put would actually be worth money. They put mirrors behind them and and make a wall decoration out of them. So yeah, there's tons of that stuff that that has amazing value out there. Huh. I'll be, you know, just you've mentioned a lot of stuff that just wouldn't occur to me, and I don't go to that many auctions. If I see an auction that's got records mm-hmm. advertised, occasionally I'll go. But uh, oh yeah, huh. yeah, I've got a sheet I can leave with you, Jim. It actually gives ideas of items room by room throughout the house that do sell well. I've yeah. given it to you before at the store, uh, but if people do come out, that that's just something that they can then start looking through the house, figuring out what they may not not want or need anymore. Now, do you have people that go out in garage sale on Fridays and Saturdays, and you know when you open the doors at, what, 9 o'clock in the morning? Uh, at 9.02, so-and-so is going to walk, 10 o'clock, yeah. so-and-so is going to walk through the door because they've been out garage sailing Saturday, and they've picked up an arm load of fill-in-the-blank. Uh, but do you have people like that? We have a, a number of them, but one gentleman in particular from Osage City uh, goes out. He spends no more than $100 a week. Uh he knows exactly what he's buying, and he averages no less than a thousand a week net out of his dollars that we pay him. Once it's all said and done, uh, he picks up the, the Smiley Pig cookie jars. He picks up the the Hummels. He picks up the Yadros. He picks up stuff that apparently people who have it don't realize the value. He picked up a, a Molten bicycle for five dollars, a fold-away bicycle that sold for a little over six hundred. He picked up a Smiley Pig cookie jar for about eight dollars. It sold for a little over four or three hundred and eighty-one dollars. So, what's a Smiley Pig uh, cookie jar? You know, just a, a large cookie jar, probably about fourteen inches tall, has a lid on it. It is a smiling pig. It's from the '60s, '70s, uh, marked on the bottom. You know, the Smiley brand, and uh, it, it, they end up with tremendous value out there. They're very rare, very collectible. They Aunt Jemima, the older big Aunt Jemima cookie jars or, or storage pots, as they, they were called, uh, those have tremendous value. But this gentleman knows exactly what he's looking for. He goes out. If, if, it's, if he's at $98 and something is $3, unless he can get it for his 2 bucks, he's going to stick with his $100 budget. 
so he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows knows what he, his plan is, and he, he accomplishes it. Why would he stick to the hundred dollar budget? I mean, if the ratio is ten to one, yeah. uh, profiting, you know, ten dollars for every dollar he's yeah. investing, he's getting a ten dollar return. He, he's a retired gentleman, and that's I mean, he unlike me. I mean, he's got a game plan. He it, does. Obviously, he it's does. somewhat successful. And he he knows how to negotiate. And usually, when he gets to that hundred dollar mark, he knows about how many items that equals. He brings them in, and and he's done for the week. Uh, but it, it's, it really is kind of neat because he, he was even telling us about this one that he ended up getting her to knock, you know, 25 cents off so he could stick with his 100 bucks a week. So, But, yeah, I, I would wow. love to know exactly what he knows when he's out there and, and who he's going to see each time. Wow. How many customers do you have like that? Um, probably probably 15 to 20. Um, we have folks. That really garage sale for a living or at, yeah. at least it's a profitable hobby if they're oh, not yeah. doing it uh, yeah, and, really? you know, they could probably do the work that we do on their own, mm-hmm. but they've actually come in and said they've tried it. It's not worth the hassles with the buyers. You know, taking the pictures, the time involved, it's not worth it. And when they were doing it, they ended up with about the same net amount as we were getting them. So it, it, they let us do as they called it the Well, the work. packing and the shipping and, yeah. Yeah, any yeah. claims that come as a result of the shipping at FedEx or UPS get tough on packages. You know, we handle everything. So it does take the, I guess, the tough part out of what they enjoy doing. Yeah, well, I could see that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because, again, you know, the example you gave with the purse. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, know, you put this purse up thinking it was the real deal, and within an hour you knew you had a counterfeit on your hands. Yeah, and with eBay, and they they police that tremendously. If you put up something that is not authentic, that is fake, that is uh, against verified owner rights, uh, they'll shut down the auction. If you have too many of those violations, they can shut you down as a seller. So we had to become experts pretty quickly in the, the stuff we post. But How many isolated stores are there now in the uh, country? There are probably less than 200 across the country. Uh, That's it. It is a national franchise. Um, we actually own the area development agreement for Kansas. Um, as a store, as a franchise, we've actually made the decision to focus our efforts in Topeka. So we do we have an interest in even selling our Wichita store and the remaining franchises we have? Uh, we enjoy what we do, and, you know, the Topeka market is tremendous for us. Uh, but we have found that it really takes an active owner participating in the business to make it as profitable as it needs to be. So instead of opening more stores and hiring managers, we're probably going to sell off the, the other franchises. So if anybody has an interest, we can work with them. But we're really focused on the Topeka store, which has been, you know, in the top two in the country ever since we opened. So we've we've enjoyed the Topeka marketplace, helping us be as, as out of 200 as stores. Yeah, you're in the top two in the country on volume. In volume and uh, both in quantity and dollar volume. Good so night. Number of items and and dollar volume. So it has been a tremendous market for us we we appreciate the big marketplace doing what it has for us wow yeah yeah and part of it you know we have the the three groups you know the not-for-profits that bring uh-huh. items in we have the businesses that we've really spent quite a time focusing on and then the individuals that have some very nice items so we try to make sure we screen the wrong items so we can get items through quickly but get the right items in put them up there the correct way and, and get the highest value for our customers well, that is impressive. Mm-hmm. Good night. 
So you've got a store now in Wichita, or yep. you've got we, a franchise? We have that one could in Wichita. It actually opened in June of 2006, about a month after Topeka. Um, we're down there each week uh, working with customers there. Uh, but really, you know, it could have the same success Topeka has if we probably had a local owner manager down there that, that took the same time in, in soliciting the right businesses and, and uh, government and individuals as we do here. It's just... Honestly, in this, this day and age, it's tough finding somebody who puts the same heart and soul into your business when they're managing it from a distance. So, Where's your location in Wichita? In Wichita, it's at 6600 West Kellogg Drive, so excellent location right on Kellogg. Okay, uh, so it's in a nice area in yeah, Flint, yeah. or uh, a nice suburban area of yeah. Wichita. Next yeah. to uh, uh, oh, Best Buy and Sam's, and there's an office. High traffic. So very high traffic there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is interesting as can be. It is. Because I would have thought there would have been more than 200 stores. You know, it, um, it's not Because a eBay, you know, your items that sell mm -hmm. on eBay. I know record collecting, a friend of mine does uh, run an auction on eBay. Two-thirds of what he sells goes overseas. Oh, yeah. One-third, you know, is actually a domestic buyer. Two-thirds are probably on the way to Europe, Japan, Australia, mm -hmm. whatever. What about eBay? Uh, with your because yeah. you're selling everything oh yeah yeah and we we sell internationally as well um, we find with percentage we're roughly probably 80 to 85 percent US based domestic. We, we really do scrutinize the sellers overseas uh, what we found you have to have delivery tracking and all those things with the international buyers or they can they can pull so many of the scams so we, we are very cautious with the international buyer base that we allow to buy Kevin Bittner, appreciate you coming in, my friend. Thank you. I sold it uh, right north of Huntoon uh, on Wanamaker, next to Dick's Sporting Goods, Home Depot. You'll find it if you're in that neighborhood. You're open seven days a week? Uh, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., or 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., Saturdays, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Okay, six days a week. Six okay. days a week. All right, and folks, if you have a question, you can call. I sold it at? 232-3229, which is 232-eBay. All right. Kevin, appreciate you coming in. Best of luck. I'll, I'll take a copy of that. Uh, that'll be interesting stuff. You bet. I'll right. leave it with you, Jim. Okay. Thank you. Jay Perez, Better Business Bureau, on deck. Stay tuned, folks. CJOnline.com has been upgraded, and it's an entirely new way for you to experience your community. More than ever, CJOnline.com has what you need when you need it. As your morning starts, CJOnline.com is updated with overnight news, weather, and the morning buzz. Throughout the day, they bring you developing stories, interaction, and commentary. In the evening, they recap the day in news and sports and feature their local bloggers. Experience local news and sports at CJOnline.com. Your 24-7 Northeast Kansas news connection. Every three minutes, another woman gets the news that she has breast cancer. And here are some of the first words she hears. Her two new oncogene, aromatase inhibitor, ductile carcinoma in situ. What do these words mean? How are you going to decide what to do if you can't even say what you have? This is Olivia Newton-John. As soon as you get your diagnosis, you can go to breastcancer.org. It's a special place on the Internet where you can learn how to say all those breast cancer words and find out what they mean. At breastcancer.org, you can learn more about your particular kind of cancer and your treatment options. Prepare a list of questions for your next doctor's visit and get all kinds of other useful information to guide you and your family through this.
breastcancer.org. The first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. Canada Drug of Topeka provides a safe and easy way of delivering prescriptions to your door and saving you money every day. Are your medication costs spiraling out of control? Is Plan B really saving you any money once you reach the donut hole? For many of us, saving money on skyrocketing medication costs has become a vital way of controlling those tight monthly budgets. I'm Eric with Canada Drug. We're locally owned and operated, have been for over five years, serving your friends and neighbors, helping them save thousands of dollars yearly on essential prescription medications. To find out how you can have more medication at the end of your month for less money, call us at Canada Drug today, 785-272-6100, or visit us just east of Wanamaker on 17th, between Applebee's and McDonald's. Savings for everybody. We're Canada Drug. Canada Drug of Topeka. 272-6100. This is Risa with Lower Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at 357 5123. We're back with Jim Cates at cjonline.com, your source for live internet news, opinion, interviews, and conversation in Topeka. Here's Jim. There we go. Now it's off. Okay, this hour is brought to you in part by my good buddy Coop the Plumber, Cooper Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. 267-4100, 24-hour day, 7-day-a-week service. And, folks, he not only is one of Topeka's leading plumbers, he also is one of the leading repairers of air conditioners and furnaces as well. And, again, as we've pointed out so many times on the show, it's a number you want to have written down with your other emergency numbers because if you have that unforeseen emergency at 3 o'clock on a Sunday morning, you've got the family, friends coming in, you're panicked, you don't know what to do, the stool's clogged up, running over, you can give Coop the Plumber a call because they do make emergency 24-hour-a-day, 7-day-a-week calls, 267-4100. Okay, coming in at 9 o'clock, we do have Earl Glenn, John Arnold, to talk about the top stories of the week. At 10 o'clock, Dave Jackson, Lawn and Garden Tips. Monday morning, the mayor is going to be with us, Bill Bunton. And we will be discussing, believe you me, this crazy cat ordinance. It's just unbelievable. So we'll be getting into that Monday. In fact, we'll be talking about that, I'm sure, at 9 o'clock as well. Something that uh, the Better Business Bureau doesn't have to deal with, Jay Perez, is some crazy cat-catch-and-release cat program. Have you been following that story? Not at all. Well, not at all. you're better off not knowing. I mean, it would just... <laughs> it's an incredible story. You're out of Wichita originally, correct? No, I'm, I'm personally out of uh, Houston. But my, our, the BBB has an office in Wichita okay, and that's in Topeka. Where our corporate office is out of Wichita. Okay, that's where I got the Wichita connection. Absolutely. And Topeka with the Better Business Bureau of Northeast Kansas. You've been here how long now? I've been here since December of last year. And what happened was that the BBB, Topeka, and BBB, Wichita merged to become a better known as like a statewide Better Business Bureau. Uh-huh. There's uh, six counties around the Kansas, Kansas City area that stay with the Kansas City Bureau, but anything west of there, we we will support and maintain. 
So if somebody uh, in Concordia calls the Better Business Bureau, they're going to be calling you. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. You cover Kansas. You cover 99 out of the 105 counties then. Yeah, uh, 99 counties. Okay. All right. Very good. Including Topeka, as obviously. The most calls coming in pertains to what type of business? Well, most of our calls that we were receiving, a lot of uh, concerned citizens having dealing with scams. There's some concerned citizens trying to find information and companies are going to do business with. And I do that. You know, if it's a major purchase, if I'm going to make a major purchase, I want to know who I'm about to do business with. That is the easiest thing to do. It doesn't cost you a penny to pick up the phone and call us. To get information, that includes individuals to business and business to business nowadays. You know, a lot of these businesses, they're, they're struggling out there, but they don't want another business to come in and use them and not pay their bill. Mm-hmm. Sure. Now, what information can you give if I were to call the Better Business Bureau and I'm thinking about buying a car, for instance? Okay. What can you tell me Well, uh, in terms of the financial solvency of that dealership? Do you get into that? We don't get into that. Well, okay. we'll give you a report on the address of the company, verify the address, time in business, time they've been in, in um, a BBB member, and the most important thing, what kind of rating do you have? We have an uh, A-plus an rating to an F rating, and that's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. You don't want to deal, they will not stay members, or they will not stay in good graces with the BBB if they have anything under a D, to, well, it's under a C. Mm-hmm. Rating. Okay. Well, I know Joyce Woodard years ago, you know, headed up the Better Business Bureau of Northeast Kansas. That goes back several years. Several years. And Joyce used to be a uh, guest on the show. And if I remember her saying correctly, it's when you call the Better Business Bureau, it's not how many complaints have been lodged against a business you should really look for. It's how these complaints were resolved. How they're taken care of. Uh, nothing is perfect out there. And not every client that goes through that door will be happy with their product. But it, what happens, if they file a complaint, it's not the end of the world. It's what's going to happen. It's what, how you're going to resolve it. There's a lot of companies out there think that they'll go away. Complaints never go away. You, you, they will stay in your report for seven years. Mm-hmm. And especially if it's a negative report, that's what the public's going to see. When you go to our website, which is www. KansasPlains.bbb.org, or you call our 1-800 number, which is 1-800-856-2417. You can get both reports. It's what the rate, what what kind of rating do they have? Mm -hmm. And that's the most important thing because it's it's going to tell you if they have complaints. Now, do you get into what type of complaints you say? Absolutely. Okay, so Absolutely. Jay Perez, if I'm calling on and I'm looking at a home remodeler, mm-hmm. for instance, if there are complaints on that particular home remodeler, if I call the Better Business Bureau, you'll let me know what type of complaints. What type of complaints there? It, it, both if you again, if you go on the website or if you go if you dial the one eight hundred number, it will tell you what type of reasoning there was behind the complaint. If it's advertising, it's it's a, a product or Anything, any, there's, there's about six or seven different subjects that would be listed under. Do you get more calls at the Better Business Bureau 
people checking out a business, which I would encourage each one of you listening to the show, folks, if you're getting ready to make that major purchase, you need to check out uh, who you're about to do business with first. But is that your number one uh, type of call, or would it be, as you say, somebody's gotten this Nigerian letter? Mm-hmm. Uh, a combination of both. We have, there's four things that the BBB, our mission as the BBB, we report in all companies, good or bad. We try to educate the consumers to work with the companies, and at the same time, companies to work with consumers. The second thing, we, we review charities. We look at all charities. Uh, and they can become approved by the BBB. We review advertisements. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if anything is misleading out there uh, for the consumer, and it's mostly print advertisements we're looking at, if anything is misleading, you know, bait and switch type of situation, where, you know, it's something that's very important to us. The fourth thing is, chair, excuse me, is um, dispute resolution. If, in case you have a dispute between a consumer in a business, we can mediate in between uh, between both groups. You know, on dispute resolutions, because again, if I were to write a letter to the Better Business Bureau, I'm unhappy with ABC Corporation because mm-hmm. of, you know, whatever the reason may be, then what you in fact do, you contact the business. Right. Say, okay, let's have a meeting in the minds. Let's resolve this complaint. How many, what percent of businesses actually respond to you? There's so, a large percent. Very well, I would think there would be. Uh, probably 9 out of 10. Oh, really? Yes. yes. There's that 1%, then 10% that it's out there that doesn't care to be you know, involved or they're not interested in resolving it. But 9 out of 10? 9 out of 10. Businesses will attempt to resolve that complaint? Yes. Really? That's a, high, a much higher percentage than I thought it would be. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's just... Sometimes what happens in the, in the final complaint, sometimes you don't have the right address. Sometimes it gets to the wrong person. It sits in their files. So, so if we have the correct information the first time, you'll find that, that they will attempt to resolve that, that complaint. Okay. As far as satisfactory, uh, satisfactorily resolving a complaint, what percent of complaints that come through your door? Would you say are going to be everybody's fairly happy? Everybody mm-hmm. walks away. Maybe you know, you know about sixty to seventy percent. It's just you, not everybody's going to be happy about the resolution, and it's going to be you got to look at both parties. Mm-hmm. You know, because you got the the company out there that has maybe done the provided the right service, and we have an individual that just is not happy with it. And, you know, so mm-hmm. there's not really going to be a winner in that, you know. Yeah. And then you have the company out there that's just done a terrible job, that doesn't care to deal, doesn't care to re- resolve the complaint. You know, they'll come and to mediate, but they're still very defensive about the complaint. Okay. Well, I'm to the point that I've got, at some point in time, I've got to have a new roof okay. put on my house. Now, when I call... The Better Business Bureau, do you have a report that would show me all of the roofing contractors in and around Topeka? Yes. You can go to our website and pull out all the roofers that are available that are both members and non-members. Uh-huh. We, of course, we're going to prefer you, you deal with the members because that's who, they, who has abide by our governing rules, which sure. is honesty, mm-hmm. integrity, and trust. Mm-hmm. 
And but there's a lot of good companies out there. And again, keep in mind that we do report on all companies, good or bad. So you got to really look at those roofers, especially right now. We have had a serious problem down south of us, in uh, where the hailstorm hit, where we have roofers that are coming in from out of state trying to get approved by the BBB, and we're not lo- allowing them in. Mm-hmm. You know, we're making it hard for them because we believe on our local companies, members and non-members, that the consumers should use. There's three things that we're looking for. First of all, are they licensed mm-hmm. and insured within the jurisdiction that they're working in? Mm-hmm. Second thing is, um, do they have a permanent address in that jurisdiction? And, of course, how, how many years do they have in business? You don't want somebody to pick up, uh, you know, uh, their tools and show up at your door thinking that they can put a roof in. Mm-hmm. You know, a minimum of two years in business. That's the three important things that you should be looking for in a roofer. It's a minimum of two years in business. Yes. Okay. You want somebody experienced to be dealing with your roof. Sure. You don't want um, six months from now have a leak and, and you can't find the roofer. Yeah, yeah, bingo. Okay, so if I were to go to the site, what's the site again? www.kansasplains.bbb.org. Okay, okay. And that's going to take me, then I can just hit the roofer icon, and that's going to list the roofers. They're going to give me that A through F rating. Complaints filed, mm-hmm. number of percentage of complaints that have been basically dealt with and solved satisfactorily. It, all, all that is in the, that report. Okay. Because I need to do that because, again, you know, when you get into roofing, folks, you're talking about a major, major expense. That is a big expense. I mean, you know, there's there's five bullets, bullets I want to go through and hope so. Do not pay in cash. Do not pay in cash when the when your roof is done. Make sure that way you have, if you pay by check, that way you have a document saying that you have paid in whole. Mm-hmm. Do not pay a full amount until the job is completed. Mm-hmm. You know, usually you'll find that they'll ask you for a down payment or a partial payment up front. That's fine, but do not pay it until the job is completed. How much should you pay as far as a partial payment up front? It depends on the roofer, you know. But I wouldn't go more than thirty, about thirty percent of, you know. Thirty percent max. So max. you're looking at. Uh, even even between thirty and fifty percent, it just again depends on the roofer. Okay, so if you're looking at a five thousand dollar job, your maximum prepayment should be no more than fifteen hundred. Fifteen to two thousand, you know. Okay. 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 Right. Be wary of any company that says they'll work with your insurance company, you know, because those companies. They are telling you they'll work with your insurance company. You don't know what the value is there. So you need to make sure you work yourself with insurance company instead of them working through the insurance company, if that makes sense. No. Okay, there's uh, a lot I, I of... I don't ro- understand why you wouldn't want them to take care of the hassle of dealing with an insurance company rather than you having to do it yourself. Or it's, easier, it, it's easier if you deal with the insurance company yourself because you know the value... Uh, the roof because sometimes they might try to uh, underestimate the roof than what the insurance you got to have in fact you got to have a couple of a couple of bids on the roof 
And once you have those couple of bits, make sure you deal with the insurance company. Okay. Earl Glenn just walked in. He's going to be joining us in a few minutes. Jay Perez with the Better Business Bureau of Kansas is my guest. Okay. Uh, so, again, the reason that I should be dealing with an insurance company as opposed to the roofer would be that to make sure I've got this locked in. That you should be the one that understands what the costs involved with the roof and how any adjustments need to be done, they have to go through you. You need to approve that because whenever they're dealing with the insurance, they have all the control over you, Okay. basically. Um, be sure that you read the whole contract through. Do not sign a contract. You know, you have to sign a contract in order for them to do the work. Mm-hmm. Make sure you understand the whole contract. If you have to take it to your personal attorney, make sure that you're aware what you're signing. What would be in a contract with a, a better business bureau roofer, we'll say, that I should be on the lookout for? As far as reading this three-page document, and I'm going to have to read with a magnifying glass, what, what bullet points, what should I be looking for? What, what are they going to replace? Are they going to replace the whole roof? Are they going to replace a partial roof? Are they going to re- replace the wooden pa- panels on the roof? You have to understand everything that is damaged in that roof and what they're going to replace because you don't want them charging you for a whole roof when they're doing only a partial. Mm-hmm. Sure, okay. The final thing, and I think it's very important, Jim, is that do not allow businesses to pressure you into signing a contract. Or we have a lot of these door-to-door storm chasers right now that are coming in and pressuring a lot of our senior citizens into replacing a roof get a couple of estimates get you know multiple estimates make sure you use a bbb member if not make sure you use a good reputable company that has the right insurance that ha- that's been in business long enough that has a permanent address in your jurisdiction it makes all the sense in the world so that's uh that would be on your top five as far as number of calls coming into the better business bureau checking out roofers yes Home remodelers would probably be on that top five uh, list, wouldn't they? There's, uh, there's other contractors that we're, we're being concerned with right now. You know, you're talking about the roofers, uh, the companies that are working on siding, window uh, companies. You're talking about tree trimmers, water restoration and removal, you know, uh, foundation uh, repairs, even your auto dent, you know, companies. you got to really look at them all. I mean, do not take any chances. Our our residents in here in Kansas have been victims for too many years, and we're trying to get them to use the BBB to their advantage. It doesn't cost anything for them to call us. Yeah. We're just about out of time, Jay Perez. Uh, always good to have you on. But before you leave, uh, what about mail scams? Anything that uh, Pickens should be on the lookout for now as far as northeast Kansas? I know we've always got these Nigerian crazy letters floating around out there. Well, we still have some of our mail scams going on. You know, one of the things that everybody's winners on the lotto, you know, we uh, we have uh, people showing up and saying, hey, I won $2 million, you know, but I have to pay my taxes up front, which is $4,000. So you got to send them 4000 so you can get your $2 million. Well, what you got to stop and think about, nothing's for free, first of all. Yeah. And those four thousand dollars, why why can't they take that out of your two million dollars if you're that rich? Yeah, I'll tell you, Jay Perez. Some of these guys uh, or persons that are working these scams, either via 
email, mm -hmm. uh, snail mail, whatever, or basically phone calls. All three They're ways. They're good. They're good. Because we've got a friend uh, who has a relative, and the relative, very well educated, very responsible, had a great job, recently retired in Kansas, uh, was emailed that they had just won an $80,000 MG. Mm -hmm. Well, to make a long story short, over a six-month period, they've now paid, they've now sent uh, this money that is going through Houston, uh, and obviously it's going to end up in Canada and Nigeria, somewhere out of the country. But they've now spent over $250,000 for this $80,000 MG. Now, we're dealing with an uh, otherwise intelligent individual, responsible member of the community, was involved in his chamber of commerce and a uh, civic leader in one right. of the smaller communities in Kansas. A quarter of a million dollars poor. Still haven't received their MG, obviously, and they're not going to. But, I mean, that's a salesperson. They are. We're talking, these guys are. They're good, good salespeople oh, at the my. other end of that phone, at the other end of that email, at the other end of that mail. And they want you, they're, they're just looking for a way to, you know, make you think that you're going to receive that item. And they'll, they'll come up with it. And so you've got to be real concerned. The first thing you should do is stop, think, and then call us. Yeah. yeah. Or, or go to our website. We have, we have reports on all companies, like across the nation and into Canada, that you can find out quickly if they are a legitimate company. Yeah, I, I was just amazed to hear this story. I'm, so am I. Yeah, because this individual would call this couple. And basically, well, it's, it's been held up because of a special tax situation that we've got to clear, get cleared up in New Mexico to get the car into Kansas. Mm -hmm. We're going to need an additional $7,500. Now, because of the delay, what is it you like to do? Where is it you like to vacation? What are your hobbies? Well, I like to fish. Well, we're going to throw in $1,500 worth of fishing gear mm -hmm. because of the delay. Mm -hmm. and we're sorry as can be that you know, we can't get Absolutely. the MG to you tomorrow, but it, when you get the $7,500 to us, it should clear everything up, and the MG is going to be on its way, along with your $1,500 worth of fishing gear. I mean, they're slick as can be. You know, whatever it is that is your hot button, they're going to have, uh, yeah, they're going to press it. And they know, and they, they've been, you know, they go through sales scum of America school, and they all figure it out how to talk to you. Oh, boy. And, they, and, that's, and that's unfortunate for a lot of us citizens that, you know, they get lured into a situation buying items that, that don't make any sense on, you know, how they get lured in. But it's, it's everybody. It's your, it's your elderly. It's your public leaders. Everybody gets lured in one way or another. All they're looking for is that hot button. You betcha. Jay, we're out of time, my friend. Uh, your phone number again and website address. 1-800-856-2417. Okay. Very good. Better Business Bureau. KansasPlanes.BBB.org? Yes. Okay. Very good. Jay, best of luck. We'll do this again. Look forward to it. And, you know, talking about uh, a roofing salesman or a used car salesman, would you buy a used car from my next guest? Of course I would. Look at it. But here's something that we'd like to do maybe in the next next month, if you'd like. Uh, we have the holidays coming up, and there's a lot of scans with the holidays, so maybe that might be a subject we can work on. Okay. Okay. Try to do something maybe in uh, early December. Sounds great. All right. 
Earl Glenn on deck. And John Arnold, well, he's not here yet. He might be joining us by phone. I'm sure we'll hear from him soon. Stay tuned, folks, for more to come. CJOnline.com has been upgraded, and it's an entirely new way for you to experience your community. More than ever, CJOnline.com has what you need when you need it. As your morning starts, CJOnline.com is updated with overnight news, weather, and the morning buzz. Throughout the day, they bring you developing stories, interaction, and commentary. In the evening, they recap the day in news and sports and feature their local bloggers. Experience local news and sports at CJOnline.com. Your 24-7 Northeast Kansas news Topeka Collegiate, Topeka's only independent school, treats every child as gifted. Each student is encouraged to excel in a caring, small class learning environment guided by humanitarian principles. At Topeka Collegiate, children fall in love with learning. Enrollment is limited. Call 228-0490 or visit our website at topekacollegiate.org. Topeka Collegiate School. Educating children for life. Excuse me, why are you saving those old eyeglasses? You know the ones, stuck away in the desk drawer, haven't been worn in years. Yeah, those. You should donate them to your local Lions Club. Lions Clubs have been collecting used eyeglasses for years. They'll take your old eyeglasses and recycle them for someone in need of proper eyewear. Call your local Lions Club for information on where you can donate your old eyeglasses. Lions Clubs International. We serve. Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. BreastCancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. We're back with Jim Cates at CJOnline.com, your source for live Internet news, opinion, interviews, and conversation in Topeka. Here's Jim. Okay, the mayor is going to be with us Monday. We're going to be talking about this crazy cat ordinance with the mayor <laughs> Monday. And uh, 10 o'clock, Dave Jackson's coming in, of course. But over the next 60 minutes, folks, we have two, count them, two. John Arnold has joined us by phone, and Earl Glenn with us in person, both of which turning into Rachel Maddow fans. Well, not exactly, but, but I, always try to, I always try to have some balance when I meet John. So <laughs> I was telling Jim about the Rachel Maddow players. Have you seen those, John? John. John. Oh, John. Did we lose John? Huh. So anyway, on the Rachel Maddow players uh, last night uh, on her show were um, depicting John Boehner in 1996 passing out uh, tobacco lobby checks on the floor of the house. And so, uh, I, but I, I was not aware that Rachel, the Rachel Maddow players did these little skits. Like that. <laughs> I have never seen the Rachel Ma- Maddow players. Now, did John Boehner do this in 1986? I, What's the story? I I, guess there's, I'm assuming there's the backstory there. I'm sure. Well, I mean, uh, Rachel was trying to poke fun of, at uh, John as whether he's measured for the curtains, you know, for his new position after the election. So that was kind of a way to, you know, poke some fun at him. So ma- Rachel basically is now saying that John Boehner will be the new speaker. Well, not exactly, but uh, she's at least saying it's a possibility. 
I'll tell you, you know, just taking a look at real clear politics, uh, my, 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 this morning, I think 190 Democrats are pretty much assured of winning their election bid, going to the uh, House, uh, Congress. 207 Republicans are assured of winning. 38 seats are somewhat up for grabs, but if you take a look at these 38 seats, I mean, it now appears that the Republicans, unless something really unforeseen happens, they're going to regain control of the House. Now, now one yeah. other thing that Rachel said last night was that um, Michael Steele, the Republican chair, was out on a bus tour. I guess, what's it, uh, Fire and Pelosi or something like that? I can't remember. Yeah. But her statement was that he was only stopping in very safe districts. And so I guess I wanted to ask her, well, what does that mean when he stopped in Wichita in the 4th District down there? Mm-hmm. So I, I haven't seen how close that race is, but uh, her commentary would say that the Republican might win that one. Hmm. What are you, are you following the fourth? Not that much. Closely? Not that much. Raj Goyal, uh, folks, is the Democrat nominee. And he's kind of the fair-haired boy right now of uh, the Democratic Party in Kansas. And Mike Pompeo is the Republican nominee. He's the Republican National Committee man. I don't know Mike Pompeo well. I've met him it's, on a few what, occasions. Aircraft, aircraft background or something? Yeah, and uh, comes across very likable, very affable. Uh, his pedigree is going to be right of center, uh, conservative, a very, very bitter primary. And uh, Mike Pompeo is one of two businessmen running uh, for the nomination. Oh, with Wink Hartman. That was a, he he yes. spent a lot of money on that race. And uh, was briefly considering, I guess, a write-in campaign after the right. primary, which so many of our Republican losers, non-winners, seem to be prone to do. And he was another one. But uh, this race uh, with Goyle and uh, Pompeo is really heating up. And the Wichita District, folks, I know it's uh, been represented for the past, what, 10 or 12 years by Todd Teahart. But before that, it was represented for a number of years by Dan Clickman. So this is kind of a swing district. You get into the first district, it's pretty much a safe Republican district. No Democrat's going to win in western Kansas. But the other three districts are all a little bit more fluid. Uh, a little bit more fluid, but are basically up for grabs. Now, I did go to the debate in Emporia on uh, Monday night between uh, Alan Jilka from Salina and Tim Holzkamp from Fowler in, in the 1st District, and so that was kind of an interesting experience. The thing that I, I uh, took away from that was the, uh, well, the AP headline was that basically the the, geo, the uh, Democrat called the other guy an extremist, and there's there's, um, Alan Jilko was really upset that Club for Growth apparently had interceded in the primary uh, to help Hulskamp over uh, Barnett, and he was questioning where the money money came from. But what I didn't quite understand was Club for Growth is known for, for just being fiscal conservative, and he was trying to say, well, they're not just extreme, they're radical. And so it's just some of the words that were being used I didn't quite understand. Huh. Now, Jelka, he's the former mayor of Salina, is and, that and city councilman. I think twelve years total was was what he okay. said. Okay, I don't know him, and uh, I think the uh, prediction in that race is it's going to be a huge fuels camp victory. Well, Alan Jelka admitted that twenty-two percent Democrats in the first district. That was part of his. Uh, <laughs> so he, he realized he has an uphill battle. Do you see any upsets in the other uh, three districts? Lynn Jenkins is going to win. Uh, nobody's hearing anything whatsoever from her opponent. Well, Cheryl Hutspeth appeared at Pittsburgh State at some meeting. I saw that online, but I haven't seen any joined appearances at all. I mean, have you? Are there been any no. debates at all? No. 
And no evidence that uh, she's actively campaigning anywhere outside of Girard, maybe, and Pittsburgh. Well, Pittsburgh was nearby, so. Uh, you can walk uh, <laughs> to Pittsburgh from Girard. But that's it. Uh, we've had no communication from her whatsoever, you know, attempting to come on the show. Nothing. Just zip. So Interesting. So she'll win. But the other two seats, I guess, are still kind of up for grabs. It looks like in the third district, where you live, in Johnson County, it looks like Yoder's going to win. Uh, at least that's what some of the polls are saying. There, there is a uh, the uh, Johnson County Bar Association is going to have an, another noon forum. It's not really open to the public, but I'm going to try to get into that if I can and just to see what they say this next week. So um, that'll be interesting. Well, I miss John Arnold. John was with us for a few brief moments, and this is going to be like shooting fish in the barrel uh, for the next uh, 50 <laughs> minutes, as far as you know, sticking yeah. the needle in the eye of the liberals. Uh, He'll call back. John, yet. where are you? <laughs> No, when John called, he said he was having some difficulty with his computer at home. Ah, so a reboot or two that. I mean, my phone rebooted twice this morning. I have no idea what's going on with my phone, so really? he could be having computer problems. Same thing, same thing. So Kansas, uh, pretty predictable. Pompeo should win again because of uh, the anti-Obama sentiment. Uh, it, it should be enough to carry Pompeo, right. I would think. So this should be pretty much a Republican year. That, that's what some of the polls said. Now, one of the other things that came out this week was um, uh, Ron Estes from Wichita, who's running against uh, Dennis, McKinney. Dennis McKinney for state treasurer. They had a little bit of a battle over the Learning Quest TV ads. I don't know if you, I, I mean, in my area, that could be John calling right, right there. there. I mean, this is John again. I am here. Oh, all right. I don't know how I got cut off. All right. I thought I was still on listening to you and Earl. So, so equal time now, huh, John? You bet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, in the treasurer's race, and uh, I, I think in, in every area of Kansas, every TV station, they've been playing these Learning Quest TV ads. And so not just one, but I mean, I, I counted over a couple of days, I got hit like four or five times with the same ad. And they all feature Dennis McKinney, who is the state treasurer. And so earlier this week, Ron Estes was, was making... Uh, a call for McKinney to drop those ads. Well, uh, I had independently done an open records request to find out what was going on with that, and the ads were only scheduled to finish this week, and then there, there, there will be a month hiatus before the election. But it is interesting. I only looked at two years so far. I asked for the years from 2002 to 2010, and apparently there's only been TV ads from 2004 to 2010. But in just looking at the last two years, they spent 366000 on TV ads last year, and they're spending 534000 on TV ads this year. So it's not clear that that's something that the state treasurer needs to be having that much time on the TV. Uh, but on the other hand, it's not tax dollars. But so. Earl Glenn, to be fair, and by the way, folks, you can read about this at kansaswatchdog.org. If you don't have that uh, punched up as one of your favorites, you need to do so. But to be fair on this, Lynn Jenkins did the same. Well, thing. and Tim Tim Schallenberger back, he was on the radio. I don't know if they did any TV ads, but, yeah. but he uh, Tim was on the radio. Yeah, they all do it, and I think it's time our legislators address this issue because Chris Biggs, for several months, was running his ads, you know, promoting whatever he did as securities commissioner, and now he's doing the same thing as the well, incumbent secretary of state. But they all do it. I think back in 2005 None of should. Chris spent $400,000 on some ads for the, uh, uh, what, what was the office he was in, the uh, Securities, uh, Securities Commissioner. Commissioner, but it came out of fee funds, so it was, it was like a legal case that they won, and they took the $400,000 to put it into to promotion, so 
it's not clear that's a function of government, but uh, that did happen. John Arnold, are we going to start off today all in agreement on this? We yeah. Legislative action to uh, clean this up, Republican and Democrat, because yeah, both parties so. are guilty. I think so. I, you know, if you've got a, an official position, I, I don't care. I don't think it makes any difference at all whether it's taxpayers' money or not. It, it's uh, money that the office controls. And it seems to me like that that's where the conflict arises. Well, and I agree. Like in the learning quest, it's like earnings out of those accounts. Some administrative fee, I'm sure, is paying for the ads, but uh, that could be money going into kids' college accounts, too. Yeah, you bet. You bet. You know, we talked, uh, John, while you were doing whatever it was you were doing <laughs> when you were off the air. <laughs> I was, I was listening to you on, <laughs> on the computer. I got that part fixed. Ah. I could listen to you. Ah. And I thought I was still on live on the phone. I don't know what happened. So you were talking and we weren't, we weren't responding, huh? I actually wasn't talking. I was listening. Okay. You know, we were talking about our congressional elections. And right. It right. appears this could be a Republican sweep in Kansas, but uh, the thing that concerns me as a right of center conservative, and I don't reference myself as a Republican anymore, but I am conservative, taking a look at our statewide office holders. You know, we're going to see, you know, this Republican tide sweeping the country nationwide, but if you take a look at Kansas, this could be a Democrat tide. And I say that, you know, once you get away from the Brownback-Holland race, taking a look at our state treasurer's race, we've got incumbent Dennis McKinney, sure. that I think is going to poll rather well. We've yeah, yeah. got... Uh, Chris Biggs, Chris Biggs. And, uh, and I am passionate about Chris Kobach, but for whatever reason, Chris Kobach is not the darling of the media. Uh, well, by Chris any stretch Kobach of generates passion on both sides. Yes, he does. You know, and I'm I passionate about be. voter ID and voter fraud, the whole nine yards. But uh, for whatever reason, you know, the mainstream media—I guess we can reference it as the mainstream media just loves to poke fun and stick the needle in the eye of Kobach. So this race concerns me. Well, it's a little bit like, well, I think there's a good deal of feeling that Kobach is not going to just be the Secretary of State. Uh, he is going to do his own thing. And Biggs is playing on that, on that a little bit by saying, you know, I'm pledged to give full time to the job, and uh, Kobach won't do that. And, you know, to a certain extent, people say the same thing about Brownback. He's here for two years as governor so he can run for president in 2012. And, you know, people say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do we want? Do we want our guys to be using their positions as platforms for something else? Well, I think Kobach would have the passion to actually deal with voter fraud, which has never been seriously dealt with in the state of Kansas. And I think Kobach, his leadership skills might actually do something in terms of voter ID. And the Democrats' arguments on this, John, they just don't hold any water. I, I don't understand how a Democrat with a straight face can say showing identification when you go in to cast your vote is a bad deal. For the life of me, I don't get it because we're talking about integrity at the ballot box. Sure. How could anybody logically argue against it? There was a really good and interesting, different kind of letter to the editor this week. Well, there was one from Ruth Wilkin that was in the Capitol Journal this morning. And Ruth Wilkin, by the way, folks, is a former state representative, Democrat, uh, defending the fact that we don't have voter ID. Is that the one you're referring to? Actually, no, I haven't read that. But it was earlier. It was talking about a, a, a little old woman someplace who gave up driving 10 years ago, and she's 85, and she won't get a, a picture ID. She doesn't have one of any kind. And she doesn't need one, but she's voted for 
50 years or something like mm-hmm. that, you know. And everybody in that little town knows her, so why would she need a picture ID and to show it? And I, and I think there's a lot of... But John Arnold, last year, Earl Glenn, correct me, last year's bill dealing with voter ID, the proposal last year said driver's license, picture ID, a copy of your utility Still bills, anything. You know, it doesn't have to be this 85-year-old little old lady doesn't have to come to Topeka to get a picture ID. Yep, there you All go. she needs to do is take her water bill in from Concordia, wherever she, <laughs> wherever lives. she lives, yeah. and that would suffice as far as voter ID. I have, but anything. on the other hand, how is that an ID? I mean, you can pick up a, um, a water bill out of somebody's trash after they paid it. Uh, that doesn't do much in terms of an ID. Okay, I've got a water bill. Better than what we've got now in place. Well, I suppose. One of the things I've looked into, John, over the years was if you look at the official uh, number of voters on, on the list, and uh, that's always about 15% higher than, than the, the ones you'd want to mail to if you were working with a can, uh, uh-huh. campaign. It turns out that there's some federal laws that keep these voters on the list for years and years. And uh, as recently as I think my date is like two or three weeks old, there's about 137,000 people in Kansas that we don't know where they live. And so there's a good chance they could be voting in in the wrong uh, state rep district race. And I did some analysis that perhaps a hundred people vote in the wrong state rep district if these inactive people really come to the to the poll. So it, it seems like once you get on this inactive list, anyway, you should definitely have to show an ID. How do you get a list of 137,000 people that we don't know where they live? Well, what they do is the different election authorities across the state mail out a uh, voter ID card or they have some right. official communication with the voter and the post office returns it. I so, see. so what they do is they go into the database and there's a field called status and they mark that as an inactive voter. And so you know if you're going to ma- be wanting to mail something, it's, it's pointless to mail something else to them because the post office has already sure. returned it once. Oh, good. good so we, but we don't really know where these people live. But I've done some statistics in the past, and about 1% of those people will show up in August, and maybe 10% will show up in, in a November election. Um, and so that's where I kind of deduce maybe 100 people per state rep district will be showing up that may not be voting in the right place. By the way, folks, if you just tuned in, Earl Glenn, KansasWatchdog.org. Uh, you need to have this punched up on your favorite sites. And John Arnold, he's got a blog and today's Capital Journal. They're my guest. We're going to be talking about the top stories of the week. One that I want to get into before the end of the hour is this crazy cat ordinance. And, folks, again, if you're thinking about leaving Topeka, going on a vacation, you need to avoid at any and all cost. Ellis County, Ogden, Utah, Toledo, Ohio, and Douglasville, Georgia. Why? Because their city councils are as crazy as the one we've got here. They've all passed this nutty, <laughs> crazy cat-catching ordinance as well. Stay away from God's sake from Ellis, Kansas, Ogden, Utah, Toledo, Ohio, Douglasville, Georgia. You don't want to be around people like that. But let's start with you, Earl Glenn. Your top story of the week would be. Well, I, I kind of really was the the McKinney um, uh, Ron Estes thing. That was that was what my top story was. So. Um, on a scale of one to ten, the chance of Ron Estes winning this race? Well, I've have seen some. Um, I mean, you would think that, that Dennis McKinney has the inside track. He's been there a couple of years. He was minority leader before that. But at some of the r- early polls that have been out that I don't, I don't know how credible they are um, seem to say that it's like a Republican sweep. So I guess that remains to be seen. 
Yeah, I don't know Ron Estes well. Uh, we're talking about the Sedgwick County Treasurer. Treasurer. Ron Estes has been uh, the treasurer for Sedgwick County. His wife, there's an Estes that Su- is. Susan Estes. That's his wife. And Very she, heavily involved in Sedgwick County Republican, statewide Republican Republican politics. circles, right. Okay, okay. So the last name was the same. I figured there had to be some connection. In there. some sense, she may be better known than Ron. So, <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, it's a tough race, though, to really get any traction. And, again, what I know about Ron Estes, I like. But this is a tough one to get traction in because there's really not much that's that controversial coming out of our state treasurer's office. Commercials. Right. Well, they all do that. What else does the treasurer do but go on radio, go on talk shows, and an occasional press release on giving money away? Right, right. Now, well, hopefully, hopefully the treasurer keeps the books right so that the cities and counties of the state get the right amount of money in a timely fashion. What were we, six years behind or something in terms of state turnbacks, Jim? Something like that? Yeah. But the treasurer's office said, oops, we had a computer problem. Yeah. Yeah, well, blame it on the computer, but somebody wasn't watching the store. By the way, uh, jim.cates at cjonline.com. If you want to email a comment or a question in, we just got uh, an email from Dwayne Rain, lives in Texas, former Shawnee County, and in fact he headed up the Shawnee County Republican Party for a while. He says, what about a voter registration card for the individual? When you go in to register to vote, then you get a voter registration card, <laughs> which would solve the problem. John Arnold, that you sure. mentioned uh, the 85-year-old. In fact, former Representative Ruth Wilkins' letter to the editor pretty much echoed the same sentiments of the letter you're referencing today. Now, we have that in Johnson County. They mail out a voter registration card primarily to tell you where your precinct is because there's precincts are always changing around. So uh, we have that, but it's, it's not really used for anything. Yeah, but that could suffice as voter ID. That, that, yeah, especially in the rural areas where you, you know most of the people in town anyway. Yeah, you know, I would think this would be a bigger issue than it is, especially in your major metro areas. You know, I can understand... You know, if you're living in Auburn or if you're living in Rossville, you're living in Silver Lake, you know everybody in the community. But that's not true in Topeka. Well, in any urban area, if you uh, since the, the uh, voter list of voters is an open record, you could get that list, look for people of your approximate age, and you could vote all day um, because you know these people aren't going to show up for the polls based on statistics. Bingo. So if, if you... If, Johnson County. <laughs> yeah, if you were if you were inclined to to, to be fraudulent, it, it's 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 not that hard. Yeah, in Wyandotte County, somebody might have already beaten you to the punch. <laughs> well, I, I did it. Uh, to vote several times, but in Johnson, nobody bothers. Uh, the crooks don't bother to vote. Uh, the, the legitimate voters don't bother to vote. I, I did a story. Why hold an election in Johnson County? I did a story a couple of years ago in Wyandotte County about the voters that empty lots, but it turned out it really wasn't so much a voter fraud issue; it was just urban blight as Different structures decayed and deteriorated. They tore them down, and the voters weren't taken off the list for years and years. So, uh, but there was no allegations. They actually that they voted. There, there were very few cases. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't really find any that where they voted. Now, yeah, yeah. what I am working on right now is you can buy from the the uh, Social Security Administration sells a list of 87 million people that have died since 1937 if they had a Social Security number. And I'm in the process of comparing that against both Kansas and Missouri voter registration lists. And the preliminary numbers on Kansas, it's somewhere a little under 2,000 people that are registered to vote in Kansas that, are, that appear to be dead, according to the Social Security Administration. 
And my preliminary numbers also show perhaps 75 of those people voted after they were dead. So it takes a lot of time to go in and confirm what's really going on with that. But at least it's something that could be looked into and probably should be looked into. I'm actually expecting worse numbers on the Missouri side when I do that analysis, especially the Kansas <laughs> City, sure. Missouri, well, that and St. Louis. In St. Louis. Yeah, well, a couple of years, well, uh, four years ago, eight years ago. What was it? Ten years ago. They kept a big voter fraud issue, in especially in St. Louis. John Ashcroft uh, was defeated that year. Uh, Missouri went Democratic, I think, as far as the electoral votes. Missouri went Democratic in the presidential election. I, Do I, I have the year right? I don't yeah. remember that. But I remember the Ashcroft defeat. Yeah. Well, there's an issue in the Kansas City, Missouri right now about supposedly they bust in a bunch of, uh, I guess they were la- labeled Somali nationals that, that somehow registered to vote in, in Missouri State Rep District 40. And that, in August, that was decided by one vote. And so that's still in the courts. And so I may go in and analyze some of the, I have the voter registration data before and after. I'm just kind of curious. What Where's District number 40? What part it's, of Kansas it's, City? It's in, um, I, I don't really know well, um, a little bit east and south of the plaza, perhaps, but I, I'd, I'd, I'd have to... Uh, would be somewhat of a swing legislative district. Yeah, so, but but it's uh, it's just a little bit surprising that any, when we, when, anytime an election is decided by one vote, people are going to complain, so it's not clear whether the statistics will bear anything huh. out there. Interesting, interesting. Okay, John, do you want to go to your top story of the week? Well, I think, I, I think the top story, Jim, is that... Um, the city council didn't listen to us, and they passed that cat ordinance. I think you know that's that's the top story. We're not being listened to. We had a very good argument. <laughs> Harold Glenn, are you familiar with this story? Uh, I, I heard you talk about it a week ago on on air, and uh, it's a little bit curious. I'm not sure why they're getting involved with that, and I guess I don't know whether I think you made the comment when you have a, somebody bring a cat back to an area and they release it. That's going to look a little odd at times, but. Uh, it, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Yeah, and, uh, and they really didn't address the question of uh, police officers catching feral cats. Yeah, I don't how they're going to do it. As a kid, and I lived, grew up in Wamigo, we had feral cats. You can't, uh-huh. you can't catch those things. They, you can't get close to it. I mean, even even when you're a conniving kid and you have lots of time on your hands, you can't catch those things. That, no. that, that's really hard. Well, this is upsetting because our city police, they're busy enough trying to catch smokers in bars now. <laughs> that's about, right. Without worrying about cats. That's a little uh, easier, though, isn't it, John? <laughs> <laughs> this vote, if you missed it, folks. The vote was nine out of nine of our city council members voted basically that we've got what we call a cat catch and release program to our police, I guess, firemen. Maybe we're going to take a day off not responding to fire calls or uh, burglary calls. We're just going to send all of our city troops out to try to catch a cat. And we're going to bring this cat back to the pound, uh, have that cat neutered, and then we're going to take the cat back to where we found it and let it loose. <laughs> if you're sitting on your deck at 8.30 in the morning having your first cup of coffee and here comes the city of Topeka truck and they're dumping a load of cats in your backyard or your front yard, <laughs> I don't think this is going to sit well. And the comments, the reader comments on CG Online as a result of the stupidity, 
I think there were, what, John Arnold, 60 reader comments, 59 of which said, yeah. what in God's name can you people possibly be thinking? <laughs> and not only nine of our city council members voted for this, but my Monday guest did as well, Mayor Bill Bunton. This was a unanimous vote. Now, on top of this, on top of this, it actually gets a little worse because this was a groundbreaking 39-page ordinance that now we're viewing a pit bull as if we were viewing a poodle. We no longer have a dangerous dog ordinance because that's discrimination. Of course, we can't discriminate. They've got their civil rights as well, I guess. This is nuts. This is insane. We're now uh, the new director of the Humane Society in Shawnee County. I hope he's going to be uh, the former director soon. But he was in the paper Thursday saying, you know, you can now come in and adopt a cuddly pit bull if you want. We're no longer euthanizing pit bulls. Take a pit bull home with you, I guess, to eat a child or whatever pit bulls do on the board. But, I mean, the whole thing is just crazy, crazy. There was something in that ordinance I haven't read yet, but it said there were three different kinds of pit bulls. I don't know what the three different kinds are. Dangerous, more dangerous, and deadly, I think. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, Jim, it's kind of curious on, on um, CJ Online right now, the, from an uh, article back on September 16th, they did an online poll, and the online poll says 240 people were in favor of it and 120 people were against. So they are, they, the, really? the, the listeners aren't listening either, then, uh, or the readers of the... Uh, Really, 240 it's right here. readers were in favor of this crazy ordinance? Yeah. Should the city begin a program to trap, neuter, release undomesticated cats? There it is. 360 votes, 240. So they do have an advocacy group, like readers, it looks like. They've got an advocacy group. <laughs> wow. Well, if you go to the reader comments, uh, Earl Graham, There's lots of them on them, yeah. Oh, my, 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 my. <laughs> Well, you know, I think every council member ought to go out and try to catch their own feral cat. <laughs> well, give it it's the part so of their they job. they understand what the problem is. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm sorry. If you catch three in a year, I, I'm going to be surprised. <laughs> now, we just got an email from Myron. And good morning, Myron. It says, I watched the TV4 entertainment show last Tuesday, meeting our city council meeting, and he says, I'm convinced more than ever that Cousin Davey needs to be hired. Cousin Davey is Myron Holter's cousin in Bruce, South Dakota. And if they've got a wild animal in Bruce, South Dakota, Cousin Davey gets a call with shotgun in hand. <laughs> there is no more wild, dangerous animal running loose in Bruce, South Dakota. Myron, I'm in agreement with you. I think Cousin Davey's exactly what Topeka needs. Okay. Now, okay. This one's from Frank and Earl. This one's to you. It says, Earl Glenn, can you give me your contact information again? Um, email address is earl at kansaswatchdog.org if you want to send me an email. Or you can go to www.kansaswatchdog.org online, and there's a contact uh, link you can go from there if you want to get, get a hold of me for any reason. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've been looking at the site to see what's new, kansaswatchdog.org. And it's interesting. You always have some interesting things in there. You're saying that Parkinson may earn 750000 a year from the advocacy group. Uh, that's based on the group that he's going to be working for. That's what the current guy makes. So really? It's hard to believe that the governor would make less uh, in the position uh, where he's going. 
But Earl Glenn is this unusual. You know, I'm taking, I'm thinking of uh, Bill Graves, for example. Bill ended up, uh, former Governor Graves, ended up back in Washington as the head lobbyist, I believe, maybe the CEO of the... It's a similar thing with the Truckers Association. Truckers Association. American Truckers Association. Big, big uh, advocacy group. You bet. And, and I think that's a nonprofit, and they follow an IRS 990, and I should look that one up, too. And I just haven't done that. So it, It's right. not uncommon, and because it's a national organization, that's why the salary is so much. Yeah. 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 Any potential scandal associated with this, though, and I read it as well, you know, that, uh, the $750,000 figure, but it was kind it's, of a... It's just... No, it's just... just uh, he'll be moving to D.C. I guess there was um, some newspaper. I can't remember. Was it the Hutchinson News reported that he did put Kathleen Sebelius on his list of references? So that was kind of a curious connection. Oh, yeah? <laughs> but not but not surprising. Uh, no, I wouldn't think so. So he's moving to D.C. In fact, I predicted wrongly, of course, and I make a lot of wrong predictions on this show, that he ultimately was going to be the Democrat candidate for the U.S. Senate. Because the Parkinson family has always had deep Washington, D.C. ties. And, and that made, uh, made a lot of sense, and I'm kind of surprised it didn't happen. Surprised me. Because, uh, you know, you, you talk about putting lists of references. That reminds me of a, a friend of mine who was the city manager of Vail. He had the best set of references I'd ever seen. Because being in Vail, he got to go skiing. And so he had, as a Republican reference, people that he'd skied with was Gerald Ford. As a Democratic reference, people he'd skied with was John Lindsay, the mayor of New York at the time. And, um, well, there was somebody else that was a Democrat. Oh, Teddy Kennedy. He'd keep with Teddy Kennedy. Well, John Lindsay, he could have used that either way, Republican yeah. or Democrat. Well, yeah, and I think he, he was just more as a city uh, a city reference, you know, yeah. as John Lindsay. And I thought, that's a pretty good set of references. I guess I can't ski, so I, I, I could never do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, if, you, if you're city manager in Vail, you get a lot of opportunity to go ski. We need to take a break here in a minute, but John Arnold, you know, I want to come back to this uh, catch, catch and release program because, again, our city council has done a lot, a lot more harm to the city than this particular ordinance because this one's not going to cost us much money. It's just absolute insanity that they would come up with something as goofy as this. But John Arnold, in your 30-plus years as a CEO, COO, city manager of the whole nine yards of seven different cities, do you remember anything in your 30 years that was as stupid as this one? Oh, uh, uh, besides the, I mentioned, I think, last week, Jim, the council member, councilwoman who wanted me to hire a reader for her because there were so many things that she had to read in the job that was giving her <laughs> trouble. But, no, we've, uh, and she was, she also was the, the last one. Pass. It didn't, didn't pass. didn't pass. Anything that actually passed oh. that would be comparable to what our city council did Tuesday night? Well... No, we had leash laws for cats discussed on a couple of occasions, but fortunately, saner minds prevailed. Have you ever seen a cat walked on a leash? (laughs) That happened. Um, But somebody had complained because their neighbor's cat had walked on their car and left paw prints, and so therefore they wanted to have a leash law. Don't let the cats run wild. Anyway, no, uh, fortunately I never was around anybody who went quite that far. I just can't imagine a unanimous vote. I can't wait to have Mayor Bunton because I like and respect Bill. Uh, but he was one of the ten. They all ten voted on this, a unanimous vote. I can't imagine. Is there a particular part of town that's a problem? Um, or, is it, or is it all all over? Uh, it's all over. The problem's all over. Again, 
every one of our council members voted for Well, that's why I'm asking. If, it, if, if everybody voted for it... No, we don't have a cat problem anywhere. It's a city council problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Jim. As soon as, as soon as they start catching these feral cats and releasing them in Lake Sherwood, you're going to have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have Jim's address, huh? <laughs> that's right. Well, it's outside the city, you know. We've got uh, a it, big body of water right out my back door. And, it used uh, to cats be... Cats are not the best of swimmers, so... It used to be, Jim and Earl, that the police officers, when they have a homicide in the city, they'd take it and drop it outside the city so that it didn't get the crime stats of inside the city. Oh, you have to worry about that. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, what, what, might as well do with feral cats. John Arnold, Earl Glenn, they're my guests. When we come back, Earl, let's go back to you. Top stories of the week. Uh, we do this each and every Friday. Stay tuned. More to come, folks. CJOnline.com has been upgraded, and it's an entirely new way for you to experience your community. More than ever, CJOnline.com has what you need when you need it. As your morning starts, CJOnline.com is updated with overnight news, weather, and the morning buzz. Throughout the day, they bring you developing stories, interaction, and commentary. In the evening, they recap the day in news and sports and feature their local bloggers. Experience local news and sports at CJOnline.com. Your 24-7 Northeast Kansas news. Topeka Collegiate, Topeka's only independent school, treats every child as gifted. Each student is encouraged to excel in a caring, small class learning environment guided by humanitarian principles. At Topeka Collegiate, children fall in love with learning. Enrollment is limited. Call 228-0490 or visit our website at topekacollegiate.org. Topeka Collegiate School. Educating children for life. Excuse me, why are you saving those old eyeglasses? You know the ones, stuck away in the desk drawer, haven't been worn in years. Yeah, those. You should donate them to your local Lions Club. Lions Clubs have been collecting used eyeglasses for years. They'll take your old eyeglasses and recycle them for someone in need of proper eyewear. Call your local Lions Club for information on where you can donate your old eyeglasses. Lions Clubs International. We serve. Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. BreastCancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. We're back with Jim Cates at CJOnline.com, your source for live Internet news, opinion, interviews, and conversation in Topeka. Here's Jim. Okay, we're back. This hour is brought to you in part by my good friends at the Golden Trail. Folks, again, if you are a shrimp aficionado, Ten different ways they prepare shrimp at the Golden Corral, 16th and Wanamaker. They're going to be doing that through the month of September. And again, this is just part of their buffet. Uh, they've got everything known to man on their buffet line. But uh, this month, shrimp, it's one of the specialties. Check the Golden Corral out, 16th and Wanamaker. John Arnold's joined us by phone, Earl Glenn. Uh, in person, Earl, let's uh, go back to one of your top stories of the week. Well, and I, I printed this out, and I forgot to bring it with me, but they gave they released some sales tax numbers yesterday, and I think the claim was that the sales tax revenues were up. But um, refresh my memory here, we had a sales tax increase from, what, 6 to 7% statewide? Wasn't that the number, Jim? Mm-hmm. 
And so that turns out that that's a 16 and two-thirds uh, percent increase. So if you if you raise less than six, well, with with uh, just because of the tax increase itself, revenue should have been up 16 percent. So it's not clear that that uh, sales were really up at all. Yeah, the governor was saying, you know, that he was just uh, <coughs> this was enthusiasm. The enthusiasm for Kansas has never been higher because of. Uh, this increased uh, revenue estimate. Well, I guess it's not a revenue estimate. It's actually what came in. I'm trying to find the story as we speak because it was in today's paper. Well, Channel 4 yesterday ran an a interesting little uh, article that um, people that live along the state line are increasingly going to Missouri. They, they interviewed a, a liquor store owner that he claimed 8 out of 10 of his customers were, were from Kansas just because taxes are, are cheaper in Missouri right now. And so it, it's uh, accelerating. The increased sales taxes is, is, is helping that, helping some of those Missouri businesses. Well, if you're taking a look at liquor taxes, definitely cheaper in Missouri. If you're taking a look at cigarette taxes, definitely cheaper in Missouri. If you're taking a look at gas tax, it's definitely, definitely cheaper, cheaper in Missouri. Missouri. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's kind of interesting. This one percent sales tax funded, I think, the number was something like two hundred fifty million in new spending in education. So it wasn't really just to break even. They actually added some things last year, so uh, that needs to be factored in, too. Do you think uh, Governor Brownback, and again, all polling shows that he's going to win in November, do you think that's going to be one of these first actions? Um, to say, nah, we don't need this one-cent sales tax addition. I don't want to mention any names, but there's a person that's very frustrated with Sam on that issue right now, that he, he has not uh, gotten on board with saying that's something we need to do. And do you think, Sam, you know, getting into the pure politics of it, though he's so far ahead, why take any controversial position? Why do anything now except... And, and that, could, that could be the case yeah, right now. Yeah. Just ride this one out. He's got 31 days to go, and he's in. That's John, you're very, very quiet. Well, I'm just thinking, you know, um, uh, Brownback's ads kind of confuse me. I mean, he says, okay, we have to create private sector jobs, one. Number two, we have to... It do education better, and number three, government attacks families. I don't understand that. I don't know what what sub message is going on there. Maybe you do, Earl, Jim. Att- government attacks families. I don't understand. Well, that. to to the to the degree that um, there's higher taxes, that that reduces the family's ability to buy stuff they need. So maybe that's what what that's referenced to. But I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, John, I don't either. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the thing I do find uh, kind of refreshing, and I'm not sure how this is going to work out, is uh, Brownback has some some measurables that he wants to increase. Um, what was it? Employment, and he wants to reduce poverty, and he's and he's trying to make these things so that you can quantify them in, in uh, four years when he runs, if he were to run for re-election. So that could be very interesting for for a politician to do something like that. Sure would. That that be that be commendable and desirable, I'd say. Earl Glenn, John Arnold, you know, 31 days, and this could be a historic election, nationwide especially. Do you see any scenario out there where these results now could change? Because it certainly appears that the Republicans pretty much have a lock on regaining control of the House. And right now, if you go to real clear politics, it shows 51 Democrats, 49 Republicans, and they're still giving the edge to Harry Reid in Nevada. Sharon Angle is going to win, I think, in in that race, so now we've got a 50-50 tie in the Senate. Either one of you see any scenario to where 
this conservative Tea Party charge can be reversed, where that train can be slowed down? Well, Jim, my thought is that uh, the Tea Party people have probably hurt the Republicans more than helped them. Uh, I remember years ago in Colorado, uh, Richard Lamb, Democrat governor, oh, four-term governor, I believe, said uh, someplace he was speaking to some group and said, the Democratic Party in Colorado keeps electing people in the primary that can't win in the general. And it's that purity issue, you know, where we want people who are, that's kind of like tea, bag, or tea Party folks, that they want people who are really far right. In Colorado at that time, they were getting people who were pretty far left as Democrats, and they weren't getting elected in the general. Wouldn't be at all surprised to see that kind of thing happen uh, in many of these races. Sharon Engel versus Harry Reid. You've got uh, O'Donnell versus uh, Castle, is it, in uh, Well, Castle is going to run a write-in campaign, or was, but the latest on <coughs> Congressman Castle, polling, recent polling shows, that he's going to be taking more votes from the Democrats than he is O'Donnell. Is that right? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. And then you've got to write in Alaska Murkowski, which is really a difficult name to write in. Yeah, that would be <laughs> spelling that one correctly. Yeah, they, they had a, uh, somebody did a cartoon that was kind of funny. They had this old burly lumberjack-looking guy swearing in, saying, I'm Murkowski, got written in. <laughs> Mark Kowski. Yeah. Well, Earl Glenn, John Arnold, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Alaska law is very, very specific. If uh, Senator Murkowski's name is misspelled by one letter, that write-in ballot is tossed out. You know, some states are a lot more liberal, if you will, on that. Alaska's not one of them. I mean, that uh, write-in name has to be picture perfect. It has, the spelling has to be 100% correct. Other ballots tossed out. Well, so, wasn't there some polling that she's pulling more from the Democrats than Republicans too? So same thing applies for her uh, in Alaska. That's applying to Congressman Castle in Delaware. Both are both of which are taking more votes away from the Democrats than they are the Republicans. Yeah, now John, what do, you, what do you know about this big rally in D.C. that's supposed to happen tomorrow? I think it's called One Nation, where. Is that the John Stewart rally? John Stewart and Cor- Corbett, Corbett. And Stephen Colbert. And uh, there's a lot of union uh, that are supposed to show up. I guess on Ed's show, um, he asked if, if the union guys had to show up or wanted to show up, and the answer was both. And so uh, that's been replayed a few times on the air. But it's just going to be real curious to see what happens on that one. Now, John Stewart, he's the one, <coughs> and I don't watch him that often. Comedy he's Central. the one like he's never heard the F-bomb word before and loves to use it on the show to where it's bleeped out 42 times over a 30-minute period. That's John Stewart, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. What is it about that word that just really seems to fascinate Stewart? Well, I think it's his audience. He's probably playing for his audience. So it just... Huh. Yeah, I, do, I don't... The demographics of his audience probably explains that. I've watched the show a few times, but uh, not lately. It's on, it's on too late for me. Well, it's on in the afternoons. They rerun it in the afternoons. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I watch it sometimes and just count uh, the number of bleeps. Where he's just fascinated with the F-bomb. Absolutely fascinated by it. And there's going to be 40 bleeps over that 30-minute period because every other sentence he's going to try to work it in somehow, somewhere. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if he would have Sharon Angles vote. <laughs> but that rally is going to be tomorrow. What are they uh, predicting in the way, uh, anticipating in the well, way of the crowd? 
there's an exchange between John Stewart and Bill O'Reilly recently, and Bill O'Reilly was joking. I think eight people, but but I think, <laughs> I but on the other hand, there's some estimates of a, a couple hundred thousand. So we'll just have to wait and see how that turns out. Colbert didn't uh, get any friends from his testimony before Congress. Yeah, that went a little cold, didn't it? Sure did. Yeah. Um, the Congress, uh, as silly as they can be, they do take themselves rather seriously. And uh, getting up there and make poking fun at them is not considered good form. Well, I can't remember, where, maybe it was Greta's show or something, where a uh, woman from California was put off by the whole thing because she had a relative that was killed by an illegal immigrant and she from her perspective it's a crime issue and uh, yeah. she didn't see that being addressed so that that was her her take on the issue hey before uh, we get away i want to come back to a local issue this is going to be a hottie folks and again what happened on this one our shawnee county commissioners a couple of months ago uh, basically retained $2.1 million, which historically over the years has been given to the city of Topeka. And uh, the city had no warning on this. Uh, Commissioner Vic Miller and slash Ted Inslee uh, voted to do this and took an unanimous vote. They finally wore down the third commissioner as well. Unanimously, they agreed to keep $2.1 million, uh, again, of what historically has been the city's money. Well, as a result of this, uh, our former mayor, one of our former mayors of the city of Topeka, and uh, a retired attorney have gotten together, and they have started a petition drive, basically to put this issue on the ballot. It'll be a countywide issue on whether, in fact, to pull this money away from the county and give it back to the city, to where the city rightfully has had this money over the years. So, uh, in today's Capital Journal, it points out that... Uh, they do have enough signatures. They're going to go a couple of more weeks just to pad their signature total to make sure that they're going to have 1,698 viable signatures on this petition. Yep. And we're going to spend $150,000 for a special election. That's 7% of the money now that we're just basically going to toss away for a special election. I can understand residents of the city of Topeka being upset. I'm upset with a lot of the things that Vic Miller does as well. But this one, John Arnold, I know you're involved in this petition drive, which is one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up, because it appears by the time you're on the show next Friday, we'll probably have a date certain set when we're going to have the special election. Yeah. Well, John, and again, now we're, we're going to be looking at a round of about 90 days. Uh, bad publicity for the city of Topeka because once again we've got a conflicting situation the city versus the county and again I'm blaming all of this on Vic Miller I think that's but bottom line but now that it's been done I don't know how I'm going to vote but let's get into how do we get away from a round of 90 days of bad publicity showing once again the city elected officials and the county elected officials are going at each other tooth and toenail. Well, I think part of the part of the problem is uh, if the city would just lie down and let Vic take the money back, uh, the city residents would be harmed. And I'm, <coughs> I'm excuse me, I'm surprised that uh, the city council hasn't taken some action to fuss at Vic about it. Uh, but they haven't. And uh, then Vic could have called the election. And for this um, 
November and avoided the special election charge. Could have avoided the $150,000. Absolutely. Yeah, which uh, he chose not to do. That's exactly right. And um, anyway, Karen, we're he, talking, or, uh, Earl, we're talking about motor fuels tax. Is this issue getting any legs? Uh, I haven't seen it on KansasWatchdog.org. I'm not seeing anything really outside of the Topeka Capital Journal, you know, the media, immediate media area here covering this issue. But it's one that could have legs, potential legs, in other communities as well. Because if our county commission gets away with it here, you know, this could spread. The the chances of it spreading, I think, are pretty slim, Jim, from the standpoint that it's Shawnee County and Sedgwick County that have a special um, dispensation. The rest of the counties have a formula that's pretty uniform, and it's a much smaller number much smaller proportion. That no, we've got a formula here in Shawnee County as well. Yeah, Shawnee and Cedric both have a formula. We all have formulas, so but the, the, why wouldn't this impact Rook County as far yeah. as money going into Stockton and Plainville and what have you? Yeah. If the county commission in Rook County said, we want to hang on to this money, well, why we, couldn't they? We have something a little bit like that that I don't remember. Which We have a, a, a county tax that the county collects and then gives back to the school districts and every once, or the city city or county collects and they give it to the school districts and every once in a while the other authority wants to keep more of it so uh, it, it's come up but never to the extent to what you're describing that happened here yeah yep. $150,000 special election and that's just burning burning needlessly $150,000 if Miller felt that strongly about it John Arnold I agree he could have had this issue placed on the November the 2nd ballot and it wouldn't have cost the taxpayers a dime then he could have had his fund you know, sticking the needle in the eye of the city, which he wants yep. to do, that at least it wouldn't be costing the taxpayers 150 grand. That's true, uh, but you know, he, I don't think, was looking out for anybody but himself playing a game. Well, Vic Miller never looks out for anybody but himself, and he yep. loves to play the game as far as just yep. that needle play in the, the eye. Yeah, well, and as a county resident, you know, and I'm not doing this as a county resident, but right now I'm going to vote for the county to retain the money because now the money's been spent. The county made no attempt to reduce spending uh, in order to balance their budget so they could uh, tout the fact that they did it without a mill levy increase. They stole $2 million from the city of Topeka. No attempt made whatsoever to cut spending. One of our county commissioners did. Shelley Buehler, I'll give her some credit. The other two made no attempt. All they wanted to do was grab this $2 million and they could say, well, no mill levy increase this year. Let's go on. As a fiscal conservative, Jim, I would think you'd vote for it just to send the message to the county that they should have cut spending. I think the best thing we can do as far as sending a message to the county is two years defeat these people. Get them yep. out of office and get somebody in that really has a care and concern for this community as sure. opposed to just delighting and stirring up needless trouble. The difficulty is the track record of the other two commissioners wanting to sit with Vic Miller is not very good. I mean, Ted does whatever Vic wants done. That's fairly clear. But then the third commissioner sits there and is ostracized. It's a pariah. Can get nothing done. And Shelley is Shelley Bueller is a very nice person and very bright. Yeah. But in Maris King before her was treated badly by Vic. And, uh, well, and then before her, you go back to, what, Mike Meyer? 
I think Actually, probably. the person that defeated Vic Miller, and Vic Miller was out of office for four years, and it was a pretty good four years. Earl Glenn, again, you live in Johnson County. We've got Shawnee County, where we've had this problem for years, as far as the inability for these two governing bodies to get along. We've got Wyandotte County, that consolidated government, and just taking a look at legends, Village West, everything that's going on, it appears to be working. And basically it's because they had good leadership in Carol Muradovich, Mayor Muradovich, mm-hmm. that brought all of this together. But then we've got Johnson County. And again, you've got, what, uh, ten incorporated communities in Johnson County? I think it's County. even more than that. I don't remember the number, but it's it's, it's, it's quite a few. Yeah. And it, Johnson County seems to be working okay. Occasionally we'll hear a bit of goofiness out of our... Johnson County commissioners, but there's some battles at the city level uh, in Johnson County that does that don't get much reporting. The city of Fairway, in particular, uh, residents used to go and videotape the meetings because the minutes didn't match what was what was uh, what they observed. And then the city turned off; they shut off the power. You had to come with batteries to to record it. They wouldn't let you plug in. So there there are some skirmishes that don't get out very much. And uh, some of the people there even appealed to then Attorney General Phil Klein first intercession on the open meetings, but nothing really happened of that. But they're still battling that. There's there's a particular bridge that they didn't want built, and uh, there's some residents that were upset about it. Any major issue coming up this year on the November the 2nd ballot that's going to drive the engine that's driving the train on county commissioner elections, re-elections? There was a county commission uh, forum just on Tuesday that I attended. Uh, Annabeth Serbaugh, who's the current chair, is running against former Overland Park Mayor Ed Eilert. So Ed, uh, Ed Eilert has a lot of name recognition uh, because he was the mayor for a number of years. Both of them identified as moderate Republicans? P- pretty much. Um, you don't they, have a conservative in that house then. So right. So the issues... Personality more than issue-driven? Um, there are some issues. Uh, one of the things that came out Tuesday was Ed Eilert wants to... Uh, because of the county charter, he says that the chair is really a part-time job. Annabeth Serbaugh says it's a full-time job. Uh, Ed wants to reduce the salary from 93000 I think it was, to $75,000. Um, so there, there are some differences there. Um, there are still some people upset over the issue of annexation in, in Johnson County. Uh, I know um, Tom Watson, the, the golfing guy, is uh, upset with some of the creeping encroachment of Overland Park into su- southern uh, Johnson County. So there's some people that don't really like either one of their uh, stands on uh, eminent domain, for example. We are out of time. Earl, what's coming up on KansasWatchdog.org? I'll, I'll put the image quest numbers up and the dead voters story. I'm still working on that. Okay. Very yeah, good. as soon as you finish counting all those 87 million people who are registered to vote. <laughs> That's a 9 gigabyte file just for those names. <laughs> it, it, it was it was just plain big. And John Arnold uh, has got a blog up today. I'm yeah. sure we'll have another one next week. Earl, we'll sure. see you in three weeks. See you. Uh, we'll have one more show between now and the election. Earl Glenn, John Arnold. John, we'll see you next Friday, my friend. Got it. Thanks, Jim. All right. And we have Dave Jackson on deck. Stay tuned. I'm Jim Cates. Thanks, guys. See ya. Jackson's Greenhouse, your plant shopping center. Let Jackson put a big smile on your home. Landscape planning and design. We listen and we take the time. We're professionals and we're out to make it known. We're your plant shopping center all the way. Jackson's Greenhouse has what you need today. Residential or commercial, we're at your service. Landscape to lawn supplies that you like best. 
From roses, flowers, shrubs, and trees to everything your garden needs. Jackson says just come in, be our guest. Jackson's Greenhouse, your lawn and garden place. We're your plant shopping center all the way. At Jackson's Greenhouse, we're out to make your day. Welcome back to Jim Cates at cjonline.com. Our phone lines are now open at 295-1150 or email jim at jim.cates at cjonline.com. Here's Jim. Okay, we're back. Hey, something I forgot to mention over the first two hours, one of our regular listeners, Ken Softly, quite a write-up on Ken and today's Capital Journal, Kevin Haskins uh, column. So if you haven't had a chance to read it, do so. Ken Softly was one of the... I did read Did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the Wichita State uh, announcers, and Ken has a storied career in uh, radio broadcasting, mm-hmm. and Ken listens every Monday and every Friday to the show. So, really? Yeah. Again, it was uh, quite a write-up. So, How are you doing, Dave Jackson? I'm doing great. I'm doing just fine. And uh, you're right, I'll be voting with the county on that. Um, when you walked in, I was going to ask you, because you got here about 15 minutes early mm-hmm. when we were talking about the top stories of the week. Delivered a load of mums this morning uh, over to a church for a fundraiser, and uh, we got them off in a hurry, and so I got over here a little bit early this morning. Yeah, well, you were uh, listening in on our discussion mm-hmm. on... Uh, this petition drive, it's going to take 1,698 signatures. Isn't it interesting that a, a, a secretary, a department secretary, that the state taxpayers pay $120,000 a year to, has all this time to collect signatures, get out and collect signatures? It's a shame that uh, <laughs> that uh, and we're we're, she's about not all that busy. And, of course, Earl's, Earl's point was we were exactly up 17.7% on sales tax revenue, which corresponds with the amount of tax increase. There's no sales increase. Uh, and Governor Parkinson uh, just as well uh, put on a skirt and be a cheerleader because there's there's really no, uh, no foreseeable uh, rally in Kansas business. I still have as many uh, job seekers uh, every week that uh, people that are out of a job that will go to work for pro- practically anything. So anyway... Uh, I don't see any recovery to speak of. So Yeah, I would agree. Now, you and I are probably going to vote. And, again, I'm not a locked-in vote, Dave Jackson. But I'm going to break your little arm if you don't support me. <laughs> How's that? You're I'll vote. lock you in. What are you, how are you voting on this? <laughs> what, on this? Yeah, on this and what we're talking the about. The county keeps the money. Yeah, and we're talking about. Uh, now, do Miller. I agree with all of uh, what went on? No, I think the I think the government, the um, county can do a better job reviewing their budgets um, but I say that about every everybody yeah. uh, and in fact I, I can prove it you know at the township level and at the North Topeka drainage district level I can prove that you can pull money out of those budgets without cutting services it's just waste and, and all you have to do is look around the city <clears throat> 2.1 million dollars is is an absolute there's I mean they waste so much money uh, when you see a road crew going out, all of the waste, all of the time that they sit and do nothing. Same at the county level. I see it. Yeah. And Dave Jackson, I don't disagree with you. There is a lot of waste at the city level, but right, fair is fair, uh, and this was unfair. You know, for Vic Miller uh, to retain this $2.1 million in order just to balance his budget to where he could tout the fact that, well, we didn't increase the mill levy. Mm-hmm. He also made no attempt 
to hold the line on spending. And nor did the, but nor the city did, in fairness, make some kind of an attempt to hold the line on yes. spending. Except that we're all, we're already paying another half percent or whatever it is increase in sales tax for potholes yeah. that aren't getting taken care of. Yeah. I mean, so who do you trust? Definitely not the city. Yeah. Who's going to spend your two point one million dollars better? In a horse race, I'd say the county. Well, because I don't know. us, we county residents carry the burden on Shawnee County Health Agency. Uh, in terms of use, who uses it, the city residents, who pays for it in dollar-for-dollar uh, dollar taxes, property taxes, county residents pay it because we have higher average property tax values. It, it all goes back to how you really look at stuff and, and, and do the math And uh, in terms of the city-county library. Who gets the services? City residents. Who pays it? County residents. We get a bus once a week out to Kmart parking lot. Great. For all of that money, 12 mills on a $150,000 house. You got me started. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, and I don't disagree with you, and I think you and I probably are going to be voting the same way because, again, I am totally uh, against what Vic Miller and his sidekick, Ted Emsley, did as far as retaining this $2.1 million. It was unfair. It was wrong. There's no justification for it. It was just an easy way for them to balance the books. And found money. Found money is yeah. what, it, what it was, or yeah. confiscated money. I agree. Yeah, and I'm I not agree. defending the city as far as the city is going to spend this money or not spend it wisely. Mm -hmm. But fair is fair, unfair is unfair. Mm -hmm. There was no warning given to the city, and now the city's $2.1 million short. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's done. It's mm -hmm. a done deal. The solution is to get rid of Vic Miller and Ted Ensley. Mm -hmm. That's the solution because these people, and again, Ted's not a bad person. Mm -hmm. Ted's a very likable, affable individual. But he follows Vic Miller's lead on virtually everything. The key is, is to get everything. rid of those two individuals and get people in there that really want to be responsible elected officials, responsible public servants that aren't going to take delight in sticking that needle in somebody's eye, mm -hmm. but are really going to try to govern responsibly. Mm -hmm. But So maybe you and I will be, but you know the thing that concerns me, Dave Jackson, we're going to have 90 days of bad publicity on this. Because now at some point in time, even though the county residents are totally innocent on this, mm -hmm. it's going to be now be perceived as a city versus county split well, I hope as far as the voters go, because I live in the county. Mm -hmm. And I live in the county, but 90, 75% of my taxes are paid in the city, or 80%, yeah. 90%, because of the city property we own. Mm. But I don't have a vote Yeah. on the city side. Yeah. I have no vote. And that's the way with a lot of business people. Most of our tax dollars go to the city, but we have no way to uh, yeah. make our, vo our voice known, really, except as business people. And the, and the ever-present threat to move out of the city. Sometimes that gets their attention. Sometimes not. But anyway, um, let's talk gardening if we got a minute or two, real quick, before we take the first break. I guess we got. We've a, got a minute or two. So we're uh, looking at uh, fall weather starting to come up. Um, the calendar says it's fall, and now the weather says it's fall. I heard one uh, prognosticator say that there was a chance of frost Sunday night, but uh, but. Uh, I'll go with, uh, and that was Channel 27, I'll go with the Capital Journal and WIBW-TV, and they say no frost, and, uh, at least for the foreseeable eight days, uh, in their 
in their eight-day forecast. Um, so this gives people plenty of time yet to do their lawns if they haven't gotten it after it. They should be preparing their house plants, cleaning them up so that they don't bring insects and disease inside the house. Those are a few things that this would be a great weekend to do. Repot their plants if they need to. Um, now, we've got no rain in the forecast for the next eight days. Right. None. Zero. Zip. Right. The farmers ought to be able to finish up harvest. There will be a lot of pollen in the air, of course, because there won't be anything gleaning it out. But uh, uh, it's a great weekend for, for uh, garden stuff. I would, uh, uh, for gardening, lawns, any gardens, perennials, this is a great time to plant perennials because still have all, time to seed. Still have time to overseed. We've got one, at least one more week. We'll take a look at, through the eight days. We have an average temperature, as Earl Glenn said, 55 degrees. Uh, uh, he told me that on the break. Average temperature, 55. He nailed it right on the head for fescue. And uh, so it's a great time. It'll be a little slower coming up. And since we don't have rain in the forecast, it would behoove you to water your lawn on a daily basis for, uh, for five minutes and uh, keep on going. Uh, get it up. Get your grass up. Dave Jackson, we do this each and every Friday, Lawn and Garden Questions, folks. Again, if you've got a question, jim.cates at cjonline.com. Earl Glenn, a Johnson County resident, mm-hmm. and you were asking Earl what type of lawn he planted, whether it was bluegrass or fescue. Now, I grew up in Liberty, Missouri, on the north side of Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And bluegrass was a whole lot more prevalent in Liberty, Missouri, right. 70 miles from here. Right. Uh, it is. Why? The, why? Uh, <clears throat> We're talking 70 miles distant. Mm-hmm. The, uh, it's the way the, uh, te- the zones go through. They go through at an angle. And there's uh, more uh, uh, moisture, of course, over there. Cooler weather in the summer. Uh, more, a little more, uh, less wind. And a little more uh, uh, humidity. And bluegrass loves all of that stuff uh, over there. And the, the dividing line really is, is uh, uh, Lawrence. There's a lot of, uh, in Johnson County, most of the lawns put in, Earl Glenn's kind of the, a little bit of the uh, deal is, are, is still bluegrass. If they're, if they're sodding the lawn, it's usually blue still. That's prevalent. Really? Over there, uh-huh, in Johnson County. So the dividing line somewhere between Johnson and Douglas west, County. Yeah. Then we get into more fescue. Right. You see very little bluegrass. Do you sell... That much in the way of bluegrass? Bluegrass, mostly we sell in blends. Uh, Sunflower Soccer uses a 10% bluegrass blend with with Tri-Power. And I actually carry that seed as well as the Tri-Power that we've talked about. Uh I have the the, uh, same blend then that Sunflower Soccer uses. They put 10% blue in theirs. Uh, And that's primarily... um, Bluegrass has really good rhizomatous features. Lots of root spread. And so... uh, It'll fill itself in if they happen to get a divot out there, you know, or if they're, if they're operating sometime when the weather's wet. It fills itself in pretty well. But that's, uh, that's why the bluegrass in the blend, and, and uh, uh, it does fairly well in a blend. But you don't want a monoculture of bluegrass because it, it can uh, get diseased and it can burn out really badly. Unless you have a, a yard that's somewhat protected in town, uh, and a little bit of shade in the afternoon, plant blue. Maybe it's blue and some rye. But even in Johnson County, mm-hmm. that's gone to bluegrass, as you say, if you're buying sod in Johnson County, chances are you're getting bluegrass sod, not mm-hmm. fescue. Right. 
The bluegrass is a pretty tender grass, isn't it? It mm -hmm. doesn't hold up well under foot traffic, or does it? Uh, I'm just remembering my days in Liberty, Missouri, that it seemed like bluegrass just wasn't that durable of a grass. Well, right. uh, it, it's finely blended, right, and uh, it doesn't clump up. So uh, in terms of um, lots of pet traffic or something like that, no, it's not going to hold up all that as well. That's why the blend with fescue uh, in it at the uh, at the sports zone. I mean, not, not sports zone, but sunflower soccer. Okay. Because the, the fescue uh, protects the blue. The blue fills the the holes then. It's pretty. It's a pretty good, pretty neat way to go. Okay. Just a little more expensive. And that's going to take a lot more watering in August because bluegrass will die out. It will quicker right. than fescue. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a hot weather grass at all. Correct. Right. They put uh, they. I guess they put water on their sod pretty good out there at sunflower fescue. Uh, in the uh, the way they work it, of course, is sunflower sod. Sunflower soccer is they put that out there. Uh, and then they use they use their fields every other year. Okay, because I know. Okay, that my yard, you know, I lost about ten percent of my yard mm -hmm. this year. Yeah. Due to no watering, you know, in the right. hundred degree temperatures. And right. Who's interested? Yeah, this was fescue. Mm -hmm. You know, this was the uh, the portion of the yard that I lost. Right. Bermuda thrived. Oh yeah. Uh, oh sure, sure, yeah. sure. And Zoysia thrived. And Zoysia thrived. Both of yeah. them will. Yeah. But uh, fescue, it suffered. Mm -hmm. 10% of my fescue gone. And they say this was a record lawn, so or heat wave this summer. Yeah. I don't know how far back. But if that would have been bluegrass rather than fescue, now I lost 10% of my fescue. Well, if you hadn't water, if you didn't water your bluegrass, if it was 100% bluegrass, you would have lost uh, not 10%, but you'd have lost um, 60 or 70% of it, I'm sure. Lost for all time would have been dead. right. It would have been dead. It wouldn't have. Wouldn't come back. Uh, so folks, stay with fescue. Or a fescue <laughs> blend, um, uh, 90 10 or something like that, yeah. Yeah. In our area, that's the better way to go. Okay. Unless you're watering. You know, mm -hmm. if you've got a sprinkler system, mm -hmm. bluegrass makes uh, an attractive lawn. Oh, lot. my. It's pretty. Yeah, it is. It is pretty. Yeah. Beautiful. But again, you want to make sure that you're watering regularly. Mm -hmm. Or you're going to end up with a brown yard. Yep. Yep. Dave Jackson, Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center. Again, Jim.Cates at CJOnline.com. Stay tuned. More to come. Jackson's Greenhouse, your plant shopping center. Let Jackson put a big smile on your home. Landscape planning and design. We listen and we take the time. We're professionals and we're out to make it known. We're your plant shopping center all the way. Jackson's Greenhouse has what you need today. Residential or commercial, we're at your service. Landscape to lawn supplies that you like best. From roses, flowers, shrubs and trees to everything your garden needs. Jackson says just come in, be our guest. Jackson's Greenhouse, your lawn and garden place. We're your plant shopping center all the way. At Jackson's Greenhouse, we're out to make your day. Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. 
Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. Eyewear Unique is a fun, upscale optical shop located in Topeka. They may be in mid-America, but their frame selection is world-class. The expert staff will help you into your first really awesome pair of high-quality eyewear. Their designer frame selection will hold its own against the finest shops in New York or L.A. Eyewear Unique is not just another optical shop. They are truly new and different. They are not interested in selling you a pair of glasses. They are interested in selling you eyeglasses for the rest of your life. Your face is a work of art, and it deserves a great frame. Eyewear Unique offers top of the line designer frames with names like Etnia, Barcelona, Lenore, Robert Mark, LA Eyeworks, Bevel Specs, Foyden House, Oliver Peoples, Ray-Ban, and Oakley, just to name a few. The frames run from stylish and affordable $90 eyewear to the extraordinary Fossa Foss line. Located at 4008 Southwest Huntoon Street in Topeka or visit them on the web at eyewearuniquetopeka.com. Take your face to the next level. Eyewear Unique. Eyewear for life. This is Risa with Lower Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at 357-5123. Welcome back to Jim Cates at cjonline.com. Our phone lines are now open at 295-1150 or email jim at jim.cates at cjonline.com. Here's Jim. We are back. Hey, uh, Monday morning. Tim Richard, of course, will be on at 8 o'clock, as he is each and every Monday. And the mayor is going to be with us at 9. And, folks, again, I've got a tremendous amount of respect for Bill Bunton. As for those of you that are regular listeners to the show, you know that. But my, 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 why would Bill Bunton be one of these 10 people, count them, 10, unanimous vote, voting for this cat catch and release program unanimous vote absolutely incredible pretty silly Why? pretty silly pretty silly <laughs> yeah. just and again not a big cost dave jackson uh-uh. to the taxpayer but just why hmm. why are we going to spend any time any effort on catching wild cats neutering them and then dumping them back where we found them. Right. Where so they can still, get run over by a car, yeah, nobody's gonna eaten care by them. a fox in, in, in our area, or uh, uh, and then if, if they're released in the city, they can they can scratch a kid, catch scratch fever, they're carrying it. And uh, I would hazard a guess that they uh, most of them would be, if they tested them, HIV positive. Cat, to, they, cat AIDS, that's prevalent in feral cats. Really? Yeah. Really? Well, <laughs> and it, a you unanimous vote on our city council. It can't transmit to humans, but it certainly can uh, transmit to other uh, domestic cats. Wow. And a unanimous vote. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to spend any money basically taking care of domestic cats, mm-hmm. which are also out there in the late evening hours, you know, impregnating other cats. Mm-hmm. Not taking care of them. We're just taking care of the wild ones. I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. So, folks, that's going to be discussed Monday on the show. With the mayor, he's coming in at 9 o'clock. 
Well, uh, I, you know, I don't know that. Uh... Do you sell anything basically that would be a feral cat repellent? Because if you go on CG online, some of the reader comments. Mm-hmm. About, I didn't know uh, one time. Yeah, we have cat repellent. Sure. Do you? Uh huh. But it's it's not cheap. I mean, uh, hey, uh, quart containers, uh, depending on what brand, between twelve and eighteen dollars. So I mean, it it'll you can certainly sprinkle around and keep the cats away. Um, Eighteen dollars a quart. Mm, something like that. Either whether which it's in the last shape. how long? Oh, three or four months. Okay. Okay. But still eighteen dollars. I mean, you can buy a case of beer for eighteen dollars, Jim. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah, and hire Myron Holter's cousin Davy to come down from Bruce, South Dakota, with shotgun in hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> would take care of a feral cat or two. I just know it's insanity, but. You know, there were enough reader comments on CJ Online. You know, what, how problems. did those go? I didn't read that particular blog. There were 60, I think, two days ago, 60 comments, 59 of which wonder, were wondering, what in God's name were these 10 people that voted for this thinking? Right. But there was a lot of examples given. So we're not in uh, the minority so, then. I oh, no, that. not at all, not at all. But problems with feral cats, you know, around a house and mm-hmm. what have you, uh, attacking small pets, mm-hmm. scratching kids, and just generally making a mess, fecal matter the whole nine yards. So that's the reason I brought up, you know, a cat repellent mm-hmm. for those that are really having difficulty, you know, with these wild cats. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't right. kill them. Does it? Oh, no, it just, it just runs them away. But you have to keep a barrier out there because cats, um, after that barrier's been gone for four or five uh, weeks or six weeks, then they'll come cross it back. They're not... Cats aren't trainable like dogs, where you can, can uh, train a dog not to go in a certain place. You know, cats are, if the cat likes that spot, he's going to be back, so you have to keep doing it, and doing it, and doing it. So, so no permanent uh, solution, but again, somebody that's looking for a temporary... Gun. Re- yeah, gun. and a BB gun. You know, a lot of people on uh, CG Online reader comments were recommending BB guns, mm-hmm. that it's not going to kill a feral cat, but... Uh, you ping that feral cat often enough, and chances are it's not going to come back after a while. So it's well, it's going to come back at a different time. <laughs> so you don't sell Dave, Dave Jackson, Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center. You don't sell pellet guns mm-hmm. or BB guns. No, so. no, no. Sure don't. So just come out for the spray. Mm-hmm. You can go on. Now, is it a spray or is it? Uh, well, it's a, it's it? a. Well, you have your choice. It's a concentrated liquid that you can mix with water, or it's a shake on. Uh, product where you just shake it out there, a, a kind of a s- slow-release granule. Okay. Either around way. the perimeter of your yard, what do most people do with it, Dave Jackson, when they buy this? Well, when I I, I use it, I keep it in my uh, the flower beds that I don't want them going in. Okay, uh, that makes that's sense. all. I mean, a perimeter treatment is, uh, of course, going to be more costly depending on the size size of your perimeter for sure, but. Uh, you know, you could use up a couple of quarts in every application if we're talking keeping them clear off your property. But I, I just... Um, so somebody with a standard backyard mm-hmm. in Topeka, if they were really having a problem with feral cats getting into their backyard because of uh, other small pets, kids, whatever, talking two quarts probably to go around the perimeter of a backyard then? Probably one. It'd be $18. Probably one would get it. $18 an application, and it's going to have to go down about once a month 
or so to keep them out. But so, it's not cheap. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be. So anyway, but, oh it's well. It's just for cats, when, when we say a cat repellent, is this a repellent also for field mice? Does it work on any other animals if you're laying this down? Some, uh, some other animals, but for, um, uh, depends on which, depends on which product. Um, some of them, uh, well, Is this will, a fertile product? Um, no, it's not. It's not a fertile product. But some of them will work on, for example, cats, raccoons, possums, that kind of stuff to keep them away. Um, kind of that, uh, that small furry animal kind of thing because it, these are animals that are low to the ground that, that smell it and uh, will keep them away. That's, uh, uh, but, you know, depending on where you are, raccoons and possums aren't a really big deal. The uh, mice, uh, it doesn't impact at all. Won't have any effect on field mice then. Okay. Because they're going to start attempting to work their way indoors over the next few weeks. For field mice, you'd need fox urine. Do Which, you sell that? Oh, I mean, sure. It's, it's yeah, we sell it. We have everything. So it's sold commercially, fox urine. Mm -hmm. And that will do it. Well, I guess it would because foxes would be a predator right. when it comes to field mice. Right. Now, again, the cost, if you've had a field mice uh, problem, you know, as far as mice mm -hmm. getting into your basement, garage, whatever. I think it's 13 or $14 a pint. Still not cheap. A pint as opposed to a quart? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to be the one collecting that stuff, do you? <laughs> I don't. Don't think I would. But how far could you go with a pint? A pint will do about a thousand square feet. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's diluted, and again, can you be dilute it? Right. It comes. Sprayed. It comes in the full bore stuff. Okay. So it uh, just spray it on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Interesting, huh? <laughs> Wouldn't work for snakes, though. No, uh, we have a different product for snakes. Um, there is a snake-away product that will keep snakes out, except uh, the ones that really matter, copperheads. Are, it, the snake-away product doesn't work on pit vipers, which a copperhead is. Copperheads and rattlers are vipers. It just works on the non-poisonous snakes. Mm -hmm. All of the other ones in the family. Huh. Uh, but vipers. Now, again, is this a chemical spray? A chemi chemical it's a, a granule. You, you sprinkle it out. Snake away, but a shaker can. But a copperhead's just going to crawl right across it. And it does. Uh, it states right on the label it's not effective on vipers. Huh. Huh. Now, on the non-viperous snakes, does it kill them? No, huh? It just keeps them away. It doesn't kill them. Snakes huh. are good. Oh. <laughs> I'm not a snake lover. I very few people are, but they really. I mean, they get your mice. Get you a nice black snake out there, good size one. Boy, he'll he'll take care of the mice. I'd rather have a house full of mice. You'd rather have a feral cat, probably. Well, I'd rather have a house full of mice as opposed to a house full of snakes. Well, yeah, you don't want them in the house that much, but uh, no, I don't want them in the house at all. Oh. I don't want them in the but neighborhood at all. I don't want them in the county at all. Oh, I just Jim. don't care for snakes. There's no such thing as a good snake. We're going to have to get you enrolled in a good course of herpetology at Washburn. There's no doubt about it. Oh. Dave Jackson, Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center.
And again, we're going to be talking about uh, fall gardening. A lot of tips coming up over the next 30 minutes. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. Jackson's Greenhouse, your plant shopping center. Let Jackson put a big smile on your home. Landscape planning and design, we listen and we take the time. We're professionals and we're out to make it known. We're your plant shopping center all the way. Jackson's Greenhouse has what you need today. Residential or commercial, we're at your service. Landscape to lawn supplies that you like best. From roses, flowers, shrubs, and trees to everything your garden needs. Jackson says just come in, be our guest. Jackson's Greenhouse, your lawn and garden place. We're your plant shopping center all the way. At Jackson's Greenhouse, we're out to make your day. Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. Eyewear Unique is a fun, upscale optical shop located in Topeka. They may be in mid-America, but their frame selection is world-class. The expert staff will help you into your first really awesome pair of high-quality eyewear. Their designer frame selection will hold its own against the finest shops in New York or L.A. Eyewear Unique is not just another optical shop. They are truly new and different. They are not interested in selling you a pair of glasses. They are interested in selling you eyeglasses for the rest of your life. Your face is a work of art, and it deserves a great frame. Eyewear Unique offers top of the line designer frames with names like Etnia, Barcelona, Lunor, Robert Mark, LA Eyeworks, Bevel Specs, Freudenhaus, Oliver Peoples, Ray-Ban, and Oakley, just to name a few. The frames run from stylish and affordable $90 eyewear to the extraordinary Fossa Frost line. Located at 4008 Southwest Huntoon Street in Topeka or visit them on the web at eyewearuniquetopeka.com. Take your face to the next level. Eyewear Unique. Eyewear for life. This is Risa with Lauer Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at 357-5123. Welcome back to Jim Cates at cjonline.com. Our phone lines are now open at 295-1150 or email jim at jim.cates at cjonline.com. Here's Jim. Okay, we're back with Dave Jackson as we are each and every Friday between 10 and 11. Uh, lawn and garden tips. We do it for an hour. Dave, we've been talking a lot about, uh, well, fall gardening. This is the season, the time to be doing it. Well, this weekend it's not going to get any better than working in your Beautiful, yard. right. Oh, you don't have a K-State game gorgeous. to go to. No. And uh, KU playing down in Baylor? They're playing at Baylor. Yeah, so yeah. time for... Um, Y'all to put on your headphones and go out and listen to the, ba- the KU game, I guess. I've and got a uh, small wager on Kansas University this weekend. Yes, it is. You do? You're yes. favoring Kansas? Uh, the spreads, Baylor's a 10-point favorite. Oh. Yes. 
So KU ought to be able to cover that. Sport. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. That's why I took KU. But I've been heavy on before. the small. Huh? <laughs> heavy on the small. I'm very small. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Well. I had a little larger bet when KU played Georgia Tech. Then I wasn't betting with KU, and, that's and I it. lost. Yeah. I lost. Huh? Big time. Yep. But it is. It's going to be a great, be a great weekend to be in the yard. Seating. Good seating, weekend. Seating. Yes. Yep. It's great. And uh, like I started to say, perennials. Uh, now's a great time to plant some new perennials. Clean up and see what didn't make the summer. Um, now we don't advocate that you uh, remove foliage. Uh-oh, he's looking at his hand. Something's gone wrong here. Oh, it's just a callus. Oh, from painting? Hard work, yeah. yeah. All that painting. Yeah. Uh, rolling that paint off. You roll it or brush? Did a little of both. I see. Dave's talking about my painting over the past week. Uh, the wife went out and spent $1,000 for a front door and whatever. Beautiful front door, well, sure. Well, yeah. Just gorgeous. Except nobody took in consideration that front door needed to match something. And you'd, instead of painting the front door, you had to paint the rest of the house. Painted the house to match the door. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's what I've been doing for the past week. So, yes. So uh, Looking at the calluses on my hand. Do you have a Polish background or what? I'm sure here what <laughs> I said my cool. wife went out and purchased. I know, door. but oh. you're the one, you're the one painting the house, not the door. Oh, I don't know. You got a point. Got a point. Yep. So anyway, this, uh, this uh, by the way, this would be a great time. I'm back on the perennial gardens. We need to uh, do some. Uh, uh, would be a good time after you plant your perennials, new ones, because we have them on sale, uh, 25% off on every perennial. The whole shooting match. Uh, then to add mulch when you get done, so that um, the perennials that you do plant, <coughs> if you don't mulch them, they can uh, the changes in temperature can work actually work that plant back out of the ground and then cause it to freeze. That's why you why you mulch in Kansas because of our freeze thaw cycle is so uh, regular mm-hmm. that it just that soil will actually work a new plant out of the ground because you don't want to plant it so deep that you kill the crown. Mm-hmm. Our soils are heavy, and if you push soil over the crown of that perennial, it's likely not going to come back next year. So that's why you mulch, because you have to have that crown be able to breathe, the root system be able to breathe. That uh, clay soil in southwest Topeka, southeast Topeka, uh, northwest and northeast of Topeka, once you get out of North Topeka and Oakland, is just pretty pretty heavy stuff and so planting too deep is a really an anathema to the root system of your perennials hence the mulch and good quality mulch uh when you say good quality mulch what's a good quality what's a bad quality mulch cypress cedar are uh, excellent quality as well as eucalyptus the reason um, um, i'm not a big fan of the stuff that they sell at the by the truckload out at the uh, city uh, for use in perennial beds because you don't know what's in it and, and if uh, they've been grinding up walnut trees or anything that uh, can cause death to your plants um, there's some uh, mulch products that are but having said that you can still use those mulch around trees other trees and stuff in your in your beds just not up around the house and nor in your perennial beds mm-hmm. so those are good quality mulches something that's uh, clean you can use hardwood mulch. I'm not a big fan of hardwood mulch because it breaks down so rapidly into soil, and then you have more soil, which will grow more weeds. When you um, 
cypress and cedar and uh, eucalyptus, for example, do not break down uh, nearly so rapidly in this and uh, won't. Uh, Is there any reason to uh, replace or not to replace mulch at the end of the year? In other words, you go out and mulch everything in the spring. Mm-hmm. Looks nice. It looks attractive. Well, over the course of the summer, uh, cypress, it's all going to bleach out to where it doesn't look that good right. toward the end of the summer. Right. Is there any reason, as far as you're concerned, Dave Jackson, to where that should be removed no. and replaced? Uh-uh. Uh, six of one, half a dozen of the other, whether you cover it up right. with a new layer of mulch, whether you replace it, it makes no difference. Right, it makes no difference. As far as the, uh, growing, mm-hmm. effect, impacting uh, no difference. the growth of a plant. Nope. Okay. So, I mean, you don't, I'm not advocating you take that out of there and do something with it. Just just uh, make sure that you have a good two to three inch covering for the winter uh, to insulate soil and uh, keep from the freeze thaw cycle and eliminate the, uh, uh, maybe getting desiccated in the winter. Our problem is most winters is we're too dry. And uh, so uh, last winter was an exception. We had a great winter for perennials pretty much because we had so much mm. snow cover yeah anyway so as far as a good spring mm-hmm. growing season you want a snow cover in the winter right we're still a little bit too early now on dutch bulbs to plant those in your beds i'd wait another two weeks uh get that soil temperature cooled down so that we don't have but uh the dutch bulbs coming up but this is really a, a month of october late october is a great time to add uh bulbs to any of your beds that you might have and uh uh, just for that early spring color, we need to uh, think about that coming up later in the month. Tree planting, this is ideal time to plant trees if you if you need a tree. If you've got one that didn't make it through the summer, and I've heard from a number of people that failed to water that their trees didn't make it. This is a great time to plant trees because you'll get the root uh, development now. have to water them less. The soil is warm enough still for root development on your trees and shrubs. Okay, when you say watering a tree, Dave Jackson, should you water a tree daily? Oh, no, no. Weekly? Weekly. Weekly if we don't get an inch of Once rain. Once a week. If we don't get an inch of rain. Unless it's a brand new planted tree in the midst of summer. But uh, right now, you plant a tree, water it once a week if we don't get an inch of rain. Uh, water it when you put it in the ground. Right. With the root don't stimulator. do anything to it right. for with a the, week. With the furlome root stimulator. And you shouldn't have to do anything to it for a week, provided that you mulch the tree properly and put the proper amount of water in the hole when you planted it. should not have to water it again. You can drown the tree. And more people drown their trees than anything else, trying to take a little bit too good a care of it. Well, that first first time you put it in the ground, you want to you wanna give it a pretty good soaking, don't right. you? Right. If you've got a five-gallon uh, tree, five-gallon container bucket tree that you planted, then uh, I tell people to put five gallons in. You know, dig the hole put a gallon or two in the bottom of the hole with the root stimulator. Then as they add the soil, uh, once they get that soil up, then add more water, another portion of that five-gallon bucket. That soil will settle down then, and then do your final soil addition, remembering not to put any soil over the top of the bucket, uh, and uh, do your final watering, and then put your uh, mulch over that. That's the way they water the tree. Five so. gallons. If you bought a 10-gallon tree, then I advocate 8 to 10 gallons of water on it. Okay. So whatever the gallon uh, gallon age is of the tree, that's how much water you need initially. Once you do that, leave her alone for, for a, week. a week. 
this season, right. All right, in now. This, in the summer, it would have been probably. Uh, that if you plant a tree tomorrow, yeah. and you're going to water a week from Saturday, two weeks from Saturday, three weeks from Saturday, when do you cut off the water as far as the once a week watering? Uh, probably that it's uh, weather dependent, but it'll probably be cool enough that you cut that off the 1st of November, and then, then it. So and then, 30 remember, days of watering, that's it. Right. And, but then remember, if it, and you don't water if you get an inch of rain during that week. There's no need to water if you get an inch of rain. So okay, okay. So if you get that inch of rain, then the clock starts running on the next seven days. Yes, exactly. Okay, exactly. Okay. And then uh, through the first of November, typically, unless we have one, of the, unless November turns out to be really warm. Uh-huh. With Kansas, you never know. Last year, you know, we uh, hit uh, the North Topeka Natoma parade was one cold puppy on October the 8th or 9th and it never did really warm up much after that and in fact we were done with our landscaping ability to landscape uh, right the week practically before Thanksgiving we were pretty much shut down it uh, was not a long fall last year hopefully we're going to have a longer fall this year oh I hope Dave let's take a break and when we come back let's talk about uh, some of the specials at Jackson's this weekend. You bet. And again folks we're talking about two Jackson Greenhouse and Garden Center locations. We're talking about one of course the old original and that is at 1933 Lower Silver Lake Road and the new location the one that's closest to me the uh, White Barn location 61st and Fairlawn. So folks uh, they're both conveniently located depending where you are in Shawnee County. If you have a gardening question, the number to call always, seven days a week, 232-3416. And uh, whatever the question is, there's going to be a professional at Jackson's that's got an answer for you. When we come back, we're going to be talking about some of the weekend specials at Jackson's. Stay tuned. I'm Jim Cates. Jackson's Greenhouse, your plant shopping center. Let Jackson put a big smile on your home. Landscape planning and design, we listen and we take the time. We're professionals and we're out to make it known. We're your plant shopping center all the way. Jackson's Greenhouse has what you need today. Residential or commercial, we're at your service. Landscape to lawn supplies that you like best. From roses, flowers, shrubs, and trees to everything your garden needs. Jackson says just come in, be our guest. Jackson's Greenhouse, your lawn and garden place. We're your plant shopping center all the way. At Jackson's Greenhouse, we're out to make your day. Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. 
Eyewear Unique is a fun, upscale optical shop located in Topeka. They may be in mid-America, but their frame selection is world-class. The expert staff will help you into your first really awesome pair of high-quality eyewear. Their designer frame selection will hold its own against the finest shops in New York or L.A. Eyewear Unique is not just another optical shop. They are truly new and different. They are not interested in selling you a pair of glasses. They are interested in selling you eyeglasses for the rest of your life. Your face is a work of art, and it deserves a great frame. Eyewear Unique offers top-of-the-line designer frames with names like Etnia, Barcelona, Lunor, Robert Mark, L.A. Eyeworks, Bevel Specs, Foyden House, Oliver Peoples, Ray-Ban, and Oakley, just to name a few. The frames run from stylish and affordable $90 eyewear to the extraordinary Fossa Frost line. Located at 4008 Southwest Huntoon Street in Topeka or visit them on the web at eyewearuniquetopeka.com. Take your face to the next level. Eyewear Unique. Eyewear for life. This is Risa with Lauer Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at 357-5123. Welcome back to Jim Cates at cjonline.com. Our phone lines are now open at 295-1150 or email jim at jim.cates at cjonline.com. Here's Jim. Okay, we're back with Dave Jackson. Uh, lots happening this weekend at Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center, as always. We hope, yeah. Good specials this weekend. In. Good yes. specials. We do. This year, uh, we've got more trees than ever in place and coming in still. And we're doing 33% off on trees. I was looking back last year. Uh, we didn't do that. A third off on great trees. So if, if you had some trees that didn't make it this summer. These aren't the Charlie Brown trees. I no, mean, no. These are the These are the goodies. These right. are the A-list trees. Right. Yeah. These are the ones that... The major they, leaguers. Mm-hmm. Well, and I also have some 40% off trees, group of those in the parking lot as well, where a nursery uh, needed to clear out that uh, a plot of them, and we bought um, four or 500 trees. And since they gave me the savings, I'm passing them on off a of regular retail. Regular $90 trees, 40% off, so it's $54. And we're talking a large tree uh, when you're talking $90. Um, stuff that looks like something. There's, there's still some uh, Charlie Brown trees in the corner, and there's, those are 75% off right now. Uh, and we're clearing those out pretty well. Um, these trees will always make it. Um, and uh, so it's, it's, if you, if it's not your spotlight tree in the middle of the yard in the middle of Sherwood or something, you can mm-hmm. go save some really big bucks. If you've got acreage and, and uh, enjoy putting a purple ash or something out somewhere uh, that's skinny right now, but it'll fill in, that's the way to go. I mean, you can buy a nice tree for twelve, fourteen dollars that's wow. six, six or eight feet tall and and just doesn't have many branches. Basically, it's skinny right now, kind of like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree was skinny. Whatever wow. the tree is, water it once a week. Mm-hmm. Yep. We got that taken care of. We got the secret sale coupon, as always, the once a week bottom thing down the at the bottom. End. 40% off on grapes. Now's the time to start a vineyard. I've got grapes, grapes, grapes. We got concords and uh, the white grapes, pink grapes, the red grapes, you name it. We have. Fastest results. What type of grape? Uh, well,. The fastest result would be to plant one now, and you'll have uh, one of the two-year-old Concords, and you'll have uh, a few grapes next year. Oh. Uh, a few. Not enough to make a gallon of wine yet, but enough to enjoy it. 
but uh, um, it all goes to the <clears throat> if we uh, put up two-year-old roots in the container or one-year-old roots, uh, you're going to get some. You, you'll see some out there that actually we had a few grapes on some of them in the container this year. Now that you need to get these up off the ground, right on a trellis or something. Grapes should be you trellis, just, right? Or you just on can't a fence. let them grow on the ground. If you if you got a chain link fence, I guess you can put it on there. Uh, they'll they'll climb up and work on a chain link, but uh, it's a little bit easier to take care of if you have them on a, a, a wire trellis. But it's it's whatever is the easiest for you. Cattle fence, cattle panel, hog panel, something like that. Get them up. The they thing. can't grow on the ground. Uh uh-uh. no, that would. Got to get them up. Right, because they just rot on the ground. Too too much. Uh, Mildew and um, uh, uh, fruit rot. The higher the trellis, the better the growth results are going to be, or is there a limit for how high you should take? Well, of course. Grape harbor, is that what they're called? Hmm? Grape harbor, whatever. You can do them any way you want to, but, uh, I mean, if in the field, of course, the vineyards don't have any of their um, apparatus more than shoulder high. I mean, that's. Because for picking ease, you don't want them way up there. Who wants to stand on a ladder to pick grapes? Not me. That much. But, I mean, they would grow on up over an arbor if you wanted them to. Okay. Of course, the birds are are going to get most of those. Yeah. Five foot, that's that's That's, tall enough. That's plenty tall, right. Okay. And within two years, you're going to be producing a lot of grapes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. First year or some, but the second year... You'll get some grapes. You're yeah, get if some you grapes. if you properly uh, if you properly pruned them and all that kind of stuff, they um, actually reach their prime after about five years uh, if they've been uh, properly set out. And they're they're not a maintenance free kind of a crop. If you want real production, if you don't really care, if you want just a few grapes, then then you can uh, do fine just to set them out there and pruning. What are you doing as far as pruning? What well, uh, if if you're in a vineyard or whatever kind of a setting, then you're going to prune them so that you've got main canes uh, with some strength going across your uh, your trellis. You're not just letting it grow. You're going to do selective pruning to make sure that you've got the strongest canes going out so that those are the ones that produce the uh, berries. And uh, every year then you go back in and, and thin some to make sure that you've got your prime canes uh, producing the, gra- the grapes. So that's what it is. It's K-State's got a, a handout on that that we'll, we'll give you if you want to see how that's done. No problem. Okay. Okay, now you've got how many uh, different varieties of grapes? Oh, eight or nine, I think, probably. Uh, Now's the time, too, if you're going to start. It's a great uh, time to plant them, right. This is the time if to you do want, it. If you want any kind of production next year, I mean, and I'm talking minimal, maybe one or two, yeah. Uh, uh, clusters, but uh, this is a perfect time. So anyway, they're forty percent off. We've got. Uh, Can you plant grapes in the spring as well? Is it better? Oh sure. This is a better time to plant. Well, in the spring, uh, costs a little. Even though we're having forty percent off in the spring, bare root grapes can be purchased for a little less money. Uh, but then, of course, you put your production off a whole another year. Uh, yeah. But we do offer bare root grapes in the spring. You can save more money. By doing that, uh, of course you got all summer to care for them for with no production. Got uh, of course the fall gardens. We've got cabbage, cauliflower, and broccoli plants uh, looking good now. Fresh onion sets, garlic, shallots, 
all ready to plant. And we have our burpee rack, 40% uh, off on the seed for next year if you wanted to to come in and save now, get your seed now, and get it put away for next year. 40% off this is the biggest uh, 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 dis uh, discount of the year. And uh, so, uh, because we buy our rack, we don't send it back to the staff. We, we're able to then give you the savings. The seed it'll keep over the winter. Sure, it's in a, it's uh, with the burpee seed. It's in a foil, kind of a uh, a waterproof, humidity proof packet it's not going to get moist or damp or lose its efficacy uh, through this year now how long can you keep seed well every a packet seed, like that every uh. seed has a lifetime and um, lettuce will keep over one year uh, for example uh, beets will go five years uh, uh, green bean seeds good for four or five years sweet corn seed three years turnip seed maybe seven or eight years it's it's all uh, Different huh. each one depending on its seed coat and how it how it's uh, <laughs> whoop, how it's viable. Then that's how you how uh, how it goes. But uh, what the seed coat is makes yeah. the difference. The thickness. Anyway, what else do we have here? We got to uh, finish up lawn renovation. Here we talked about that. Eighty nine ninety nine still on sale. The tri power with the uh, new lawn starter. I got a new pallet of each uh, in today. Of seed, fresh pallet of seed, fresh pallet of, of the fertilizer, all ready to go now. Uh, so if you haven't done it yet, now's the time. Or if you need somebody to do it, uh, we can still get you scheduled next week. We had uh, one of our uh, slicers go down yesterday, and it's being rebuilt today, and so we'll be ready. We've got two slicers that we go out with, and, and we can knock down the so just call 232-3416. Yep. What do you need uh, as far as information when somebody calls? Well, the size of the yard. The yard. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. we can give you a price and so yeah. that we're sure that we get out there with enough product for sure. We yeah. can give you a price if we know the size of your yard. And uh, also if you're, uh, of course, if it's overseeding, then it's going to be a three-pound per thousand square foot rate. It's, it's, uh, spreaders are all set for that. We're set to go. Uh, it's quick and easy. In fact, it sounds like somebody's calling right now. It is. 232-3416 for Dave Jackson, Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center. Um, we've got about two minutes. Anything else coming up this weekend that our listeners need to know about Well, at our uh, two locations? Yeah, the, uh, uh, the other thing is, of course, the uh, fall mums. They are just huge and beautiful. I didn't fail to mention that. We got them at... Huge ones, six ninety nine, or if you buy three, ten or more, they're dropped to five ninety nine. I delivered some this morning. They were uh, oh, fifteen, eighteen inches across for a six dollar ninety nine cent mum. Uh, you can, and then we even have bigger ones in a nine inch uh, container that then uh, we have them for eight ninety nine. I was in at Walmart's lately or recently, and they're selling the same mum for twelve ninety seven. Really? Uh, yeah. So we're way really? way less. These are homegrown. Just now starting to open. They're going to be gorgeous, just absolutely gorgeous this year. They're late opening this year. It was because of the heat in the summer. That's called heat delay in mums, but that actually makes the bush get larger than uh, than normal. So that's uh, they're just huge, just huge. I mean, uh, wow. Check it out at Jackson's, both locations. Mm -hmm. Both okay. locations. Yeah, we have them out yeah. both. 
Again, we're talking 61st and Fairlawn. We're talking about 1933 Lower Silver Lake Road. And we're talking about seven days a week. And if you have a question, 232-3416. Dave, we will see you next Friday. Think so. That's the plan. Of course, we'll be. It'll be. Have been a late night. We'll be a little bleary-eyed, won't we? What's going to happen next Friday? Thursday night, Nebraska. That's right. We the night be, before, right. K State, Nebraska. I won't be back until what, midnight or something. How yeah. late? Satellite. Well, it's a six thirty, seven o'clock game. Seven o'clock, then that game gets over maybe at ten o'clock. Yeah. If you leave Getting before the, the game's over, you can be home by eleven. But if you if you hang around, it's going to be an hour getting out of there. Yeah. So you'll be home about midnight. Mm-hmm. We'll see you blurry-eyed next Friday. Folks, mm-hmm. thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. We'll be back with you Monday morning. I'm Jim Cates.